2: Welcome.
3: You heard at Sports Radio. Up 22. Oubre to Embiid.
4: Fakes it to Oubre. Drives on his own. At the end of the third quarter, he scores it. Crosses the 40-point line to 41, end of the third. Anthony Davis,
3: 20-footer early in the clock. No good. And a white's not so soon. And now Davis steals
4: it and dunks it. A huge steal by AD, which may seal the game. 117 to 110. War gets the ball taken away by Beasley. Beats it ahead, Giannis. Here comes the exclamation. Flushes it
3: through. How about a clean 64 for the Green freak? The freakish flyer takes off again. Kohnbrenner at the post early on. Establish the, exactly. the big man. And here he is. Here we go. Kohnbrenner catches and one. So Paul Brenner on both ends of the floor. Impactful on the first two possessions. LB on this possession. Shireman throws it back to Alexander for three. There's the first three for the great Blue Jays.
2: Shireman finds a cut, and Brenner with an easy dunk. Blue Jays
4: trying to get it into Clark Brenner on the pole. And that will end the game as he misses it. Caleb Boone grabs it, and Greg McDermott, the head coach of the great Blue Jays, comes over and gives Kevin Krueger a hearty congratulations. 79-64, the Rebels dominate the number eight team in the country.
5: Shane, why you gotta start the morning off like that, man? Why you got to do that to me? I'm just no, laying the facts. No, I was in a good mood. No, you picked those, Shane. Come on, man. You could have stuck with the Greek Freak 64. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that was pretty solid. Didn't have to, didn't have to start my morning off like that. Uh, good morning. It's uh, Herd At Sports Radio. See, you got me all flustered, Shane. I don't like it. Uh, it's Herd At Sports Radio here on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. We're live from the Herd At Sports Bar and Grill. I'm Ravi Lula, Elijah Herbal here with me this morning. What's going on, man? Not too much, not too much.
3: early morning getting the the drive up to Lincoln,
5: but we got like I was you this? got like thirty
3: two ounces of coffee. you got yeah, a big gulp okay. of coffee
5: i can, i can I can tell Andrew and I are usually energy drink guys. I can smell mm-hmm. the coffee not a I'm not a hot beverage guy,
3: even in the wintertime.
5: Yeah, well, so I'll do it sometimes, but I had a traumatic experience as a as a youngster and. I got sick, and it was bad. So. See,
3: I'm from a coffee family, and I like myself. Like You got the the White Monster going. Yeah. No free shout-outs, but that's a free shout-out. That's out. my go-to, yeah. The the White Monster. they have them at Costco, I and so I can buy
5: them in bulk. <laughs> I do like the White Monster. They're pretty solid. It gets you going. I like the smaller size, though, the 12-ounce one. Oh, yeah, I'm too old for the small size. I don't have that <laughs> natural, energetic youth in me anymore. Um, no, it's uh, – yeah, I uh, – so, long story short, short – uh, I think I've told the story on air of when I got the stomach flu over Thanksgiving before. Um, my dad, he's from India, and so they do like some like natural remedies and stuff like that. And so he used to give us fennel tea all the time when we got sick. Well, he gave me the fennel tea for the stomach flu, uh, and the fennel tea came back up pretty aggressively. Ooh. And so hot beverages, like sort of like the especially tea. I can do coffee a little bit. I can do like hot cocoa, although not my go-to sort of a visceral reaction for me on the hot beverages. And
3: I I come from a coffee family. If I did not drink coffee, and I I have a... uh, What does that mean? Do you guys, like, own
5: scooters? What does coming from a coffee family mean?
3: No, like... (laughs) Everyone in my family. My, my brother was diagnosed with uh, some ADHD late in his life, yeah. late, later than most in his life. And yeah. he learned through most of his high school and college and early adulthood that he was, like, self-medicating
5: with coffee. Oh, yeah.
3: So, I mean, that, that dude drinks coffee up until 10 minutes before he goes to bed.
5: Yeah. I, which well, is ridiculousness. Oof, I might have some ADHD as well then, too, because I drink <laughs> caffeine, like, all day, every I, I, day. I got to right? cut myself off at 2, but, like... At, at 2 p.m.? Two, or else I can't
3: sleep at night. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. you don't
5: even drink at caffeine by the time you get to your show
3: no no i have to come i i, I really pound it like oh my god, early in the day midday and then by 2 p.m maybe it's because i pound way too much early in the day but <laughs> by the time 2 p.m rolls around if i it's it's a weird cutoff point. 30 i will fine? be fine at night after 2 p.m i'm gonna have issues
5: maybe i do have a problem Um, Anyway, (laughs) you can listen to Elijah Herbal with Chris Schmidt every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, It's on all the same places that you can find this fine program. Uh, This morning, we've got a lot going on. I promise we won't just talk about coffee the whole day, Um, although I'm sure we could uh, <laughs> Brian on YouTube says Elijah's grandpa, great grandpa is Juan Valdez. That's what I was thinking. I was like, he keeps saying he's from a coffee family. Like, you just like really like coffee, or is there some sort of like heir to an enterprise here that I need to know about? Um, I and wish. We, in which case, God, I wish we will become fast friends. Uh, but <laughs> we've got a great show for you here today. Lots going on with Nebraska football and. Uh, transfer portal, recruiting, all sorts of stuff, and we actually have a special little surprise for you this morning. I'll start with the bottom of the lineup to to, to tease you a little bit. At 9.45, to wrap up the show, we're going to talk with Brian Appling. He is the head football coach at Buford High School in Georgia, and if you're like, why are we talking to a high school coach in Georgia? It's because he was Dylan Raiola's coach his senior year of high school. He's been at a Buford for 18 years. He's been the head coach at Buford since 2019. Uh, Super successful guy and uniquely close to the uh, to the Dylan Riola situation. So we will talk to him at 945. Super excited to talk to coach Appling. At 9, we will talk to Michael Bruns from Husker 24-7. Make sure the sky is not falling with all this Kyle McCord stuff. At uh, 8.45, we'll see if we can make you some money this weekend with Brian Edwards, our Vegas insider. And at 8, we're going to talk to uh, Kent Pavelka. A little uh, Nebraska basketball going on here because no other team in the state has played recently. We don't need to talk about it. Uh, nothing happened last night at all. We can just move right on. Uh, <laughs> no, we'll probably get to... Creighton a little bit. I know all you uh, Husker fans out there will love listening to me talk about how bad Creighton played last night. So uh, we will do that as well. Also, we will hit the hurt at hot seat. I'll probably split it up today because we've got a busy show. But let's get started with the big news from yesterday. Uh, It feels very strange. The last few days, I've been on my phone way too much, more than normal, which is already too much. But Monday, you've got the Dylan Rayola stuff. Uh, Tuesday, you're trying to figure everything out. Yesterday, the Kyle McCord stuff drops. Kyle McCord apparently moving on from his. He was never committed to Nebraska, but it felt like he was. Uh, At what point in the day yesterday did you start hearing there might be trouble in in the McCord camp?
3: About 3.30. So, like, we're preparing for our show. Yeah. And I catch wind of it. Around three thirty-ish, yeah, maybe three forty-five. Okay. And Schmidt and I have no conversation before the show, okay, re- regarding it because I'm like, I'm not sure if I can believe this or not. Like, it, it really did feel like up until yesterday afternoon, I don't want to call it sign sealed delivered, but it felt like it was a a, a, a good sign, just yeah. in terms of what McCord was was feeling with that, and then three forty-five. Well, I'm not so sure anymore. There's there seems to be some some sort of hold up. Mm-hmm. And then like the alarm bell started going off and, and I asked a question on the air and, and Schmitty kind of agreed with me, which made me think maybe he was hearing the same thing. Of just like the longer this drags on, mm-hmm. the more you wonder why a guy like Kyle McCord hasn't just announced, you know what, my next stop is is Nebraska. That, that and that yeah. was kind of the point I was at as as the afternoon drug on yesterday afternoon just like why hasn't he made the decision yet we know he's already left nebraska mm-hmm. it felt like as we were reading the tea leaves on tuesday that you know what i think he's probably checking out syracuse on a tuesday evening a wednesday morning and then as as the afternoon dr- drags on yesterday you're not hearing any other teams mm-hmm. that are going to be in play here maybe rutgers but it still sounds like syracuse now is probably going to be the spot for Kyle mccord you wonder why hasn't he been able to make up his mind yet? And then the news drops at five. Well, he's not going to be a Nebraska Cornhusker next season.
5: Yeah, so I guess my, the biggest question to me as this is all playing out is why, right? It seemed like everybody was on the same page. The Rayola stuff had already broken, although I do think part of it was – I don't think the Nebraska staff wanted the Rayola stuff to get out when it did. I think that's certainly a factor. Um, but what do you think happened? Because as we're reading the tea leaves here, it seems like they both knew about each other in that situation. Obviously, there's a connection from when McCord was at Ohio State and Royola was committed to Ohio State. They must have crossed paths at the very least on visits and things like that. Um, so there was at least some familiarity there. What? Where do you think this got off the rails? Because that's kind of the part that, I'm trying to figure out. I have theories. I'm curious either if you've heard anything or what your theories are because that's the one variable here that we don't totally understand, I feel like.
3: The question that I think you have to ask is, is the sky falling or is this just another domino falling, kind of clueing us into what's happening behind the scenes? I think that's the question that I am asking right now is... That's a good way to put it. Is... Has the sky fallen, and has Matt Rule completely lost it? Has he tried to swing too big, and has he pissed off a guy in Kyle McCord, and Kyle McCord's not coming, or is this just another domino falling? Because I think back, and it's an interesting name that I think we're going to discuss later in the show here, to what Charles Thompson told us about Casey Thompson last spring, whenever he sat down with Matt Rule. And and Matt Rule apparently said, with you coming off the injury, if I were you, I would find a place to transfer, and that sounds really harsh, but it's that aspect of you're going into your final year likely of college eligibility. With Casey, we know he's going to get one <laughs> more now.
5: it's never going to be done with college <laughs> eligibility. That's what Casey Thompson
3: does. <laughs> but, but, but Matt Rule's advice to him was essentially, I wouldn't go into this. If you want to make a professional career out of this somewhere down the road, I wouldn't go into my final season of eligibility at a place not knowing whether or not I'm going to be the starter. You sure. need to get film out there. You need to have – NFL Scouts or XFL Scouts or USFL Scouts or whatever you're going.
5: Arena League. Yeah. Shout out to our boy Tommy Armstrong. Sorry,
3: I don't want to discount the arena league. Indoor one Football League champ. But you want to be able to be able to put that film out there for yeah. those guys. And Matt Rule's advice to him, just like heart to heart, coach to player, if I was in your shoes, I would be looking for a spot to transfer. And that kind of becomes the question to me with Kyle McCord. Is he seeing the writing on the wall with a guy like mm-hmm. Dylan Riola and saying I'm going into my final season of college eligibility here. I don't want to be the guy that ends up riding the pine, and now I took a potential, you know, second-day draft choice, and now I'm third-rounder undrafted because I wasn't able to get out there. The freshman came in and overtook my spot, and that looks really, really bad in the eyes of an NFL scout. That's the question to me. Is that the aspect, or is this – uh, the side of Kyle McCord looking at Nebraska and saying, you didn't tell me about Raiola. You kept me in the dark. We make it through a whole meeting on Monday mm-hmm. and now I get to my phone on Monday night and I'm seeing, oh, Nebraska is trending for, for Dylan Raiola. You're going after Dylan Raiola and you didn't tell me and that's, that's the two sides yeah. that I don't know where we're at. Truthfully, I, I have my suspicions but I do not truthfully know whether or not it's a case of Kyle McCord saying, I'm just going to find a better spot for me because I look at this freshman kid and, and I don't want to be competing for a starting job or is it that aspect of Well, they kept me in the dark. They have made me angry, and now I'm going to go somewhere else out of almost retribution.
5: Which, to be fair, option A is already something that Kyle McCord did. That's why he's not going to Ohio State, Mm -hmm. right? Like, he is leaving Ohio State because there is a freshman and some guys that are already on campus. If you – was it Devin Leary? Devin Uh, Brown. Devin Brown. Who's Devin Leary? That's another quarterback, isn't it? It is. Is that – Let's hit was a Google machine Yeah, I I'm anyway. Devin Leary, Kentucky. Oh, see, that's the quarterback is a Kentucky. Um so formerly of NC State. There's other guys at Ohio State already. There's uh Nolan coming in as the replacement for Rayola's commitment basically. You have the pride of South Dakota, Lincoln Keenholtz. Yeah, Keenholtz is there as well. highly touted recruit. So A guy that Nebraska fans thought they might get in the transfer portal as well. High school teammate of Jason Majacek. So you've got a bunch of guys that are already there that are younger than Kyle McCord. He kind of saw the writing on the wall and decided to move on. So scenario one makes sense where he says, I kind of see the writing on the wall with Dylan Rayola." Don't want to take my chances with an open competition. I'm going to go somewhere else where where they will guarantee me the starter spot. Going back to the Casey Thompson thing, which is weirdly going to come back up. Um, And it's, yeah, it's strange to us too. The, The way that I, the context that I think is important for the Casey Thompson situation is Matt Rule did not tell Casey Thompson to kick rocks. That is not what happened. What I understand to happen, and correct me if you've heard differently, but I think this is what you were saying, was they couldn't, especially coming off the injury, they couldn't guarantee Casey Thompson a starting job Mm -hmm. or a certain amount of reps or a certain amount of game time or whatever. They couldn't guarantee him anything, A, because that's not really how Rule operates, and B, because he was coming off the injury and was going to be behind coming out of spring. Yes. So they had that conversation with – Charles Thompson and Casey Thompson at that point saying, hey, this may not be the best spot for you if you want to have a chance to play professionally, which all is true, right? Th- to me, that's really important context because what I've heard a lot over the last 24 hours, and maybe this is true, maybe it isn't, is that the Rayolas are calling the shots and they forced McCord out and whatever and all this, right? Maybe that's true. But we already know one thing about McCord, right, that he wants a spot where he can feel good that he's the starter, right? He basically wants to be guaranteed a starting spot, which in his situation, I understand. I'm not saying that as a negative. The other thing we know about Matt Rule is how he has handled the guy in Kyle McCord's spot before, where he said, hey, I can't guarantee anything. It's going to be an open competition, and whoever wins, wins. If you want something that is a guarantee, this maybe is not the best place for you. Is it crazy to think that those two things intersected yesterday and we ended up with Kyle McCord walking away? Because that's what I think happened more so than, oh, well, Dylan Rayola said, if I'm not going to be the starter coming in, then I'm not coming. Or if you can't guarantee me X number of reps or whatever. I think what the Rayola family wanted from what I've heard and from reading the tea leaves is I think he wanted a fair shot to start next year. I think that is – the quote-unquote demand that was made. Hey, fair open competition, if he wins, cool, if I win, cool, Mm -hmm. right? And you'll try and get me on the field when you can if I'm not the starter. Otherwise, like, we're good. Just a fair shot because that probably wasn't going to happen at Georgia. I think that's part of the reason that Georgia was no longer in the picture. I don't think that it was all these demands of, hey, Dylan needs to play an X number of games and he needs to be guaranteed the starting spot or anything like that. But you match that up with what we know about Kyle McCord, last year of eligibility, wants to try and make a splash, wants to try and get to the NFL. Those two things don't jive very well, right? If Dylan wants an open fair competition chance to play, Kyle McCord wants a guarantee that he's going to play so that he can try and make the NFL. Those two things don't mix. And so, yeah, it's going to seem like maybe Rayola made demands. It's going to seem like McCord shied away from competition or whatever people are saying. But really, you just have two different – in my opinion, you have two different guys in two different spots in their career that need two different things from their situation, and Nebraska cannot provide both to both. Mm-hmm. Right? I think – is it, is it crazy that it's just that simple? Uh,
3: I, I think it is just that simple. I mean, and I, I, I think – that circumstances changed mm-hmm. on Nebraska's end in terms of the Ryola recruitment between the time in which Marcus Satterfield went to Columbus Absolutely. and between the time in which Kyle McCord came to Lincoln. 100%. I think circumstances changed during that time. Because
5: mm-hmm. the Rayola beca- thing was last minute. Yes. well,
3: and Ish. Ish. I, don't I think it came together quickly. Yes. I don't think this
5: is something that has been in the works for months. No.
3: I, I, right? don't, I, I don't believe Nebraska thought they were back into the Ryola sweepstakes up until – run this time last week
5: maybe a little later but yeah maybe a i later, think yeah. last weekend is is kind of the timeline that i've sort of pieced Sat- together
3: saturday night is when i was told they're working on one big flip next week
5: yeah i i think i didn't hear it on saturday but piecing it back together it sounded like friday or saturday yeah. to me is when kind of things being started being like oh this it might be a real thing so i think they're yes as you said and i'll let you continue circumstances from when Satterfield went to Columbus to go talk to Kyle McCord and by the time Kyle McCord got to campus on Monday or Sunday night, whenever he got here, dramatically changed. I agree. And so both of the things that you kind of laid out in the Kyle McCord situation can also be true in, hey, like you didn't tell me about the Rayola thing because the Rayola thing wasn't real for (laughs) like that wasn't a real thing for a good amount of time and also like things were headed in the right direction. I, I certainly lean more towards not the sky is falling because it seems pretty clear that Nebraska is about to get their highest recruit ever.
3: I, and that's that's why I think it's another domino falling yesterday in terms of if you want more proof that Nebraska and Riola is happening is a thing. Is a thing. I think Kyle McCord saying, you know what, no to Nebraska is all you need because it does not make sense for me. If Nebraska no. did not think that they had a, if not 100% chance, a 95 plus percent chance at getting Dylan Raiola, I don't think you're going to
5: both piss off Daniel Kalin and Kyle McCord. So Kalin's the one that, that sent up the, the bat signal for me where I was like, oh, this is real. When... Th- Because, listen, I know we had Steve Wiltfong on on Monday. He's great. I know he's like that guy, right? He tweets that out. I'm like, okay, that's really interesting. I was like, maybe more than interesting. Weirdly enough, when Pete Thamel tweeted out that he's been told that Nebraska has spoken to Danny Kalin and they're going to honor his commitment, that's to me when I was like, oh, I think this might be done. Because there's no way you have that conversation with Danny Kalin unless you are – all but certain that you've got somebody to replace him and we had people yesterday on
3: our show joining the live chat and and calling in and this is no nothing against them we're just a a difference in opinion right now saying i think you're causing yourself long-term issues here by kicking Kalen to the road that's not technically what's happening but you get what i'm saying Mm -hmm. here of you're gonna you're gonna irritate people either at Bellevue West or in the, the Omaha Metro and any recruiting states in the, city of, or in the state of Nebraska because you had the in-state guy, and now last minute you're kicking him to the curb and putting him in a bad spot. I think coaches around and most people that cover football and around football understand that the bottom line is winning. Yeah. And if you think Nebraska has a better shot of winning with Daniel Kalen than Dylan Ryle next season, this is no discredit to, to Kalen. Not by any means. I think he's going to be a fantastic college quarterback wherever he ends up, whether it's Nebraska, Michigan State, another spot. But you're looking at both the short-term and long-term health of Nebraska football, and you go back two weeks whenever we were uh, talking about Nebraska-Iowa and missing a bowl game, what does Nebraska need to do next season? I don't think anyone out there was saying, I think Kalen's a guy next season. No, I think Kalen can be the starter next no. year. Everyone said you need to go to the portal, and if Kalen surprises you, awesome, but you need to have that guy ready to go. And maybe you want to keep Chubba around too. Like yes. that That's what people were saying with, with DK. And that's no discredit to Kalen. That's how most quarterbacks are coming into college. Whenever you look at Dylan Raiola, that is a guy that has all the physical traits in the world. It's a guy that's been born and bred by his NFL father with guys like Matthew Stafford. Mm -hmm. And look back, I mean, Mike Bobo's at Georgia right now. And apparently he was trying to make an in-home visit with the Raiolas last night. Not sure how that went. (laughs) But you look at that, like the guys that he's been in and around in his life, he has always been born and bred since he pretty much Mm -hmm. hit early puberty to be a quarterback. Yeah. And he is a fantastic prospect. I think Matt Rule understands that, and I think high school coaches around this state will understand Matt Rule's job is winning. He makes a whole bunch of money to make these difficult decisions. Yes. And the way I'm going to put it at the end of the day is you can hurt somebody's feelings without being the bad guy. Sure. And I think that's the fine line Matt Rule has to walk in this situation. A guy like Kalen that has been a great soldier for you in this Mm -hmm. recruiting class you're going to hurt his feelings by going at the last minute and saying, yeah. we got an, an opportunity to go back and get Dylan Riala again. But you can hurt his feelings without being the bad guy.
5: Well, and from all accounts, Daniel Kalin's a great kid. Um, I don't know him personally. Um, what I do know is I, I saw him a lot this year play high school ball, and he's not ready to be the starting quarterback in Nebraska or probably any other Power 5 school, to be fair. Not to say that he won't ever get there, but there's work to do. Um, his prowess right now is better in the seven on seven field than it is on the actual football field. And he had weapons this year, right? Like I know the offensive line was an issue, but he had guys that he could throw the ball to, and there were still struggles. There's there's a lot of learning to be done there. And that's not to say he won't get there, but there is a night and day difference between Dylan Riola and Danny Kalen. Like there just is. And that's not again, like you said, not to say that Danny Kalen won't be really good where he ever he ends up. But you know that Nebraska, like, if this happened in high school, and sometimes it does, the exact same situation, all the high school coaches in the state would do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Like, if you had, for instance, if Danny Kalin was moving into your district and you had a guy that was the same year as him or a year, uh, whatever, that was already your starting quarterback, you'd probably take Danny Kalin. He's better than a lot of the quarterbacks in the state. It's a very similar situation, and all those guys would do the exact same thing. Uh, Coming up next, we've teased the Casey Thompson thing a couple times. Uh, There's weirdly more Casey Thompson news. We're going to talk about that coming up next. That's Elijah Herbal. I'm Robbie Lula here on Hurt At Sports Radio. You're
2: listening to Hurt At Sports Radio.
0: It's only a kick. A jump. A
2: block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
5: Welcome back to Hurt Out Sports Radio. Here on AM590 ESPN, Omaha ESPN Tri-Cities. You can find us on Twitter and YouTube as well. I'm Ravi Lula. That's Elijah Herbel. Uh Our YouTube comments are, I-, I would say, an accurate reflection of the fan base. Some people are totally okay and some people are in full meltdown mode. I would like To get into Kenny's comment here, are you you guys seeing this? Yes,
3: I haven't read it yet, but I saw him. I think this is an interesting one. It's the one he just put up uh, as of like 60 seconds ago. He says, "I am sick and tired of talking about these prima donna quarterbacks, prima donna. I don't think that's how you spell it, but I I, I don't know how to spell it. I know what you mean, though. (laughs) We know what you mean." He said, "Let's talk about D linemen that can run, big, fast, nasty dudes who want to hurt you on the field." And I think he has a point. To a point, which is a terrible way of putting that, and I do apologize. <laughs> um, but I'm going to use some some other schools I, through I mean, the years that have done builds. I think I know what schools you're going to talk about. I, mean. I don't think you – I'm going to go back to one way back when. Let's, let's go back it. early 80s. Okay, let's, that was not what I was thinking. Let's go <laughs> the U, Miami. Okay. Because they beat Nebraska in that Orange Bowl, the famous Tom Osborne go for two before the overtime rules yeah. were implemented. 83 season, 84 Orange Bowl, yep. You look at what Schnellenberger did down there early in his tenure. I mean, he he really hit the Miami recruiting hard, which that was a different yeah, – it was a game changer. It, it was different back in the late East because the rest of the country looked down at the Miami area in South Florida and mm-hmm. said – a lot of athletes down there. Those aren't football players. Mm-hmm. We're not going to recruit that. He hit that Miami area hard, brought in some talent, develops some physicality. But what changed the game for him was Bernie Kosar. Mm-hmm. Brings in Bernie Kosar. This this really ahead of its time passing attack comes in, and it's not a perfect comparison, but essentially he took his team from being average to being great mm-hmm. through a quarterback. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not saying that a quarterback like Dylan Rello fixes all your problems sure. at Nebraska, but seven percent covers up a lot. 70% of your problems can be covered up by a quarterback. I'm going to go more recently and say what I said at the end of the show. I got a lot of flack for this one. Mm-hmm. Quinn Ewers at Texas. Okay. Has absolutely – Steve Sarkeesian was pulling in top ten recruiting classes, but yeah. he was still going five and seven. And it's, it's not because he didn't get time to develop these guys. He had some development in there. Mm-hmm. But when you get the quarterback right, it allows you to pop.
5: Yeah, everything you, you, you changes. You go
3: from five and seven and losing at home to Baylor – no discredit to Baylor. That was a good Baylor team that year. Yeah. To going in within one score of Alabama the next season, and then you were second season, you're beating Alabama on the road. Mm -hmm. That's what a high level quarterback can do. And Quinn Ewers, I put on the same level, as, as Dylan Raiola in terms of the game-changing nature he could have to a program. As like, a prospect, like, absolutely. Like, you could not yeah. – this is a can't-miss guy. Yeah. And, Quinn, you were slightly different because he had that one semester at Ohio State or whatever that weirdness was. Get that back, sli- Quinn. Slightly different. <laughs> but it's a young quarterback who yeah. comes in, and Texas, I think, slightly further ahead in their development, and they sure. had some – better previous recruiting classes, but Nebraska doesn't have slouches. Nebraska is an older team right now, especially mm-hmm. that defensive side of the ball. Nebraska defensively is ahead of where Texas was at that time, yeah, absolutely. and I think a guy like Riola can come in and clean up a lot of those issues that you have offensively and maybe not take you to a college football playoff next season. I think that's very hard to ask. Maybe not even a Big Ten title game, but 8-4 and four? Nine and three should be 100% realistic with the what is it, nine guys Nebraska has returning on defense. Yeah, absolutely. I, and well, the offensive line you have coming back, the young weapons you have yes. offensively, you should be able to do something with that with a high-level quarterback.
5: So there's a couple things there that... And that, Dave asked, was I alive during the early 80s? No. To be fair, I wasn't alive during the early 80s either. So that, you know. Uh, but the... <laughs> something tells me Dave was
3: so Dave. If, if I am way off with my Bernie Kozar Miami take, you can you can well, inform me if I'm wrong there.
5: But. Well, so let me let me put it in context of something I know that we're right about. Look at the difference between here's a really good, a really easy example, and I get that this guy was a transfer, but look at the difference between uh, all the Wisconsin teams that did not have Russell Wilson, and then all the the Wisconsin team that did have Russell Wilson. Right? They went from being oh, they're a nice little team, they're physical, they're going to run the ball well, to Russell Wilson, Wisconsin, felt like they could beat anybody in the world, and you felt like they could beat anybody in the world. Another example, on the opposite end, a a team that hasn't ever gotten their quarterback right, or not recently, is Iowa, right? They build through the lines. They're competitive every year. I agree with you there, Ken. That is the basis. That's the foundation, right? But if you have the lines right and you have no quarterback play, you have a ceiling. The quarterback removes the ceiling. Here's the other thing the quarterback does, like you were talking about. Let's use Caleb Williams as an example. Mm. That's not a very good football team <laughs> at USC. It's not. It, ha- it wasn't last year. It wasn't this year, right? That's why they got beat by good football teams like Utah last year twice. That's why they lose to good football teams because they're not a very good football team. You know why they win still 8, 9, 10 games, whatever they won this year and last year? I think 8 and 4 this year, 10 and 3 last year, whatever it was? Because Caleb Williams plasters over a lot of your problems. Exactly. Right? So exactly. you've got two things – that good quarterback play can do. A, they can raise your ceiling if you've already got the foundation, and if you have no foundation, they plaster over a lot of holes on that team. Let's not pretend like – and listen, I'm not saying Dylan Raiola is 2019 Joe Burrow. What I am saying is let's not pretend like that LSU team in 2019 was perfect defensively. They gave up a ton of points. They gave up a ton of uh, points and yardage to other good teams. Guess what? Joe Burrow was going to score every single time he was out there. Not saying he's Joe Burrow, but that's what a high-level quarterback can do for you. It can take you from – that's a probably 9-3 and three LSU team with an above-average quarterback instead of Joe Burrow. They had one of the best quarterbacking seasons of all time. All of a sudden, they're a national champion, right? That's what a quarterback can do. I appreciate what Ken's saying, though, right? And let's not pretend like Nebraska's ignoring that. Grant Bricks committed a couple weeks ago. Uh, Alexander Ruggeroli, I don't know if that's how you say it, but I'm in the neighborhood. Commits yesterday. Well, and, and from what I was told after
3: the Bricks commitment, he was out on Nebraska. That's that's what I was hearing as of about two
5: weeks ago whenever Bricks I was heard in. Nebraska was out on him because they didn't have a spot for him. Mm. Is what I understood. And from what I understand is they got creative on how to bring him in. That's a pretty I mean, I get he's only a only only a three star, but that's a guy that had some good offers. Pretty highly coveted guy that Nebraska, if Bricks didn't commit, was going to go after really hard. Bricks did commit. Uh, Rugeroli still had some interest in him. They go after him anyway. You end up with a couple good linemen in this class. Let's look at last year's class. Sam Sludge, Gunnar Gatula, um, Brock Knutson, Mason Goldman, all those guys, right? Uh, Justin Evans Jenkins, who we've already seen play. Five linemen in last year's class, at least. That's off the top of my head. You've got a couple high-level linemen in this year's class already. You've still got Tate uh, Poroska, Ben Scott's coming back, Bryce Benhart's coming back. you have They're not ignoring the lines, okay? And the defensive line, I don't even know if I have to talk about, the defensive line was awesome last year, and you've got a bunch of young guys there. You've got more young guys coming off of red shirts next year. I don't think they are in any way ignoring the lines. I, I think we're at the point where – they feel better enough about the lines that they think a quarterback can now elevate them to the next level. And let's be clear here. If you have a five-star quarterback that might want to come to your school, you always take him. That is not, <laughs> that's not a situation where you're like, uh, sorry, Dylan Rayola, our lines aren't ready yet. We, uh, we're going to have to wait. Maybe you'll hit the portal in a couple of years when, when we're ready. No. You're like, hey, five-star quarterback wants to come here. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. And there's something I, I want to talk about because you,
3: you mentioned it briefly mm-hmm. with the recruiting crunch, the scholarship crunch Nebraska had with the, the kid out of Bishop Gorman. Mm-hmm. Very quietly last night, Jackson Lee, a three-star from down in Texas, left Nebraska's class. He's going to Tulsa now. Yeah. Very, very, very quietly. Super quietly, quietly. Yeah. I don't think that's a minor thing to note.
5: No, can I, I just throw that out there really fast? And because I you don't look at, know if it's Ruggieroli related or well, if it's
3: other stuff related. Well, the rumor—I mean, it sounds like Ruggieroli is coming as a walk-on, and NIL is going to take care of some of his.
5: That's what I've heard his, as well. His, is his, is his that scholarship he is stuff
3: not counting towards the class? So you look at Lee, a scholarship off the board at wide receiver, uh, a potential daniel kalin decommitment, mm-hmm. another scholarship off the board why would nebraska be clearing some extra scholarships at this time let's read the tea leaves here yeah i've heard that some 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 communication has been reopened
5: between nebraska and brandon baker so first and foremost danny kalin transfers to dylan rayola so that's a one-to-one switch basically yeah. right so but we've we've got a couple other ones opening up so sorry continue
3: just some, some, some communications been reopened with a guy like Brandon Baker. This is what I was hearing yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. Brandon Baker, as well as the really, really talented wide receiver out of St. Louis who at seven thirty in the morning has his name has escaped me and that is embarrassing because <laughs> I tweeted about him last night that being Ryan Wingo. Wingo, that's right. Yep. Another talented five star wide receiver. There's also a- S- something to just watch here is it does Nebraska continue clearing scholarships? Because one thing that I know for a fact, is that five stars don't tend to go alone to different places. They tend to want to bring their friends with them. They've hit the camp circuit. They have made friends throughout the country with other high-level players. They tend to want to team up. I'm not saying it's happening, but it will be interesting to see if
5: Nebraska tries to clear some more scholarships, Especially space. quarterbacks and wide receivers. Yes. Quarterbacks tend to like to bring a couple wide receivers with them. It would be interesting to see what happens there on the Dylan. Rayola also been told there is nothing with Desmond Demas. Yes, the five-star Juco guy. Not happening. Yeah, I don't think that's a uh, culture fit, let's say, yes. with Nebraska. Uh, coming up next, we've got more of HerdAt at Sports Radio as we wrap-up hour number one here on AM590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities.
2: You're listening to Herdat at Sports Radio.
5: wrapping up hour number one here on Herd At sports radio i'm ravi lula elijah herbal with me this morning we're live on am 590 espn omaha espn tri-cities from the Herd At sports bar and grill the h&h chevrolet stage you can also catch us on youtube and twitter and facebook we uh we stream on facebook now too which is a thing i didn't know until yesterday so here we go um we said we were going to talk about Casey Thompson last segment and we didn't get to it cuz uh, i am easily distracted but we are going to get to it now so yesterday <laughs> started hearing some rumors uh that Casey Thompson might be uh well that he first of all that he was in Lincoln yesterday which i i think is verified and true there's pictures of him with former teammates and and around he kinda... also
3: posted up a picture of him doing some physical therapy last night at a local spot
5: so, so he he is he in is in Lincoln like that. We can confirm sure about the fact that he is in Lincoln. So,
0: hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
6: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline.
2: This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and HyperVolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi
5: Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. I mean, Elijah, I ask you this. Why is Casey Thompson in Lincoln?
3: It's interesting, right? <laughs> it is
5: interesting. Very, very
3: interesting. And yeah, you combine it with some of the internet sleuths that have found Casey Thompson in UNL student directory. Yep. It should be noted it should be noted that that student directory is not always the most up-to-date information you can find. But what is interesting... To be fair, I do think he's—I think Eric Crouch is also still in that student directory, for what it's worth. What is interesting, <laughs> though, is that Casey Thompson is listed as a graduate student yes. at Nebraska, which whenever he left Nebraska, he was Would not, not a yes. graduate student.
5: Also, I have heard, I haven't done checking myself, because I feel a little weird looking up names in a student directory, but I'm not discouraging you guys from doing it. I'm just not going to. Casey Thompson, though, pretty common name. Maybe there's another
3: Casey Thompson that happens to be
5: at Nebraska that just happens to be a graduate student. Was told that he is no longer listed as a student at FAU. Yes. Which is just as important as the fact that he may or may not be listed as a student at Nebraska. So what does this all mean? So we were talking about the Kyle McCord situation, how it doesn't totally make sense for him and what he wants, and for what Dylan Riola, and what he wants to be at Nebraska at the same time. What it does make sense is for Casey Thompson. He already took his shot at trying to put together a really nice season, get a professional career going. I think everyone's always kind of assumed he was going to be a coach at some point. And what makes sense for Casey Thompson at this point, you come in, you be a backup to Dylan Rayola. You kind of jumpstart your coaching career, learning under Coach Rule, under Glenn Thomas maybe. We'll maybe talk about that in a little bit. But <laughs> – but mm-hmm. um, and then you mentor this young quarterback in Dylan Rayola. If something happens, you know, God forbid, you've got a, a seasoned, experienced backup um, in your room. I, it sounds like there's smoke to this Casey Thompson thing.
3: And you also have – Brian Munson, a recruiting expert that I, I know and trust. I know he's not affiliated with us, but last night he tweets out the original Casey Thompson to Nebraska Twitter post, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I, I haven't talked with Brian at all sure. since he has done that. I haven't
5: asked him why he has done that. But why
3: would you be doing
5: that? It's, it's interesting for sure. Um, it is, it is an, a scenario that I think makes a lot of sense for everyone involved. Yes. And that's the only reason I put much stock in it, because when you really kind of pull at that string, when you pulled at the string, it fell apart for the Kyle McCord and Rayola coming to Nebraska at the same time. You can kind of logic your way out of that making sense. We were all hopeful, right? That would have been super fun. You have McCord, you have Rayola, you've got two quarterbacks, both five stars coming out of high school. You feel really, really good about your quarterback room all of a sudden. So obviously we all wanted that, but you pull out that string and apply some logic to it, and you go, "Yeah, that doesn't really make sense." Like we kind of talked about earlier this morning, the Casey Thompson thing does. I and even if it's not Casey Thompson, I do think that Nebraska will try and bring in a veteran guy who's okay being a backup, who maybe wants to get started in their career. Anyone, as who, a coach. Want,
3: anyone who wants to have a career in coaching would absolutely. be very wise to spend one year under Matt Rule, especially after, I mean, everything we've heard about Casey was that he was an utmost professional through the coaching change last mm-hmm. offseason, handled it very professionally, gained some respect from Matt Rule in that sense. Even if it's not him, it makes a lot of sense for a guy to come back Somebody like and him. play for Matt Rule. Look at what Garrett, Jerry, happened to Gary McGuire. Bohannon? Bohannon? Yeah, I mean, look at happened to Garrett McGuire. Yeah, sure, absolutely. He was never a, a guy that was an no. impact player at Baylor. But Matt Rule took care of him Mm -hmm. because he knew he wanted to be a coach. He came in. He was professional through his entire time at Baylor. Gets an opportunity on a Matt Rule coaching staff at a very young age because, I mean, Carolina Panthers, you're coaching guys that are older than you. I mean, he's still
5: coaching guys that are older than
3: him. (laughs) Matt Rule took care of him in that way because that's what Matt Rule does. It is a wise decision on any quarterback that wants to go into coaching Mm -hmm. to come and spend a year under Matt Rule. Be be, be a tutor to some young quarterbacks in the room and uh, maybe get a graduate assistant spot. Maybe Matt Rule hooks you up with one of his friends across the country, which Matt Rule, as we've learned over the past year, has numerous friends across the coaching world to say, hey, I got a guy. He wants to be a coach. I think he's got a a world of potential in that uh, that world. Can you help him out? Matt Rule can pull the strings like that. It's a very wise decision on anybody who wants to be a coach to spend a year playing under Matt Rule.
5: Or you look at a situation where, okay, uh, they're very high on a guy like Adam DeMichel, right? Maybe DeMichel ends up somewhere else as a on-field position coach instead of an analyst. Maybe Casey Thompson becomes an analyst. Role. Maybe Casey Thompson becomes a grad assistant. There's a lot of opportunities um, by having Matt Rule kind of in your corner, right? This also goes back to the thing we talked about with how this played out originally when Casey Thompson left. There is no way on God's green earth that if it went down the way some people think it went down, that this is even a conversation. Because if it went down where Matt Rule's like, hey, kick rocks Casey Thompson, we got this Jeff Sims guy, there's no way he's coming back here and being like, hey, I'll come and be a backup and be a mentor and get my coaching career started with you. The reason this is even a possibility. And, and I hate that we even keep having to do this. Like, I don't know how long we have to see Matt Rule operate to know that's not how he operates. Like, at what point has he ever done anything that hasn't been pro-player, pro-athlete, pro-person? Like, he is – everything I've seen him do has been pro the person that is involved in that situation. So why on earth do we think – with these two very specific situations, that with Casey Thompson and with Kyle McCord slash Daniel kalen that all of a sudden he decided to act completely opposite to what, how we've seen him act, not only for the year at Nebraska, but according to everything we've heard, basically his entire coaching career.
3: And, and people took a tweet of mine way out of context from earlier in the football season after the Colorado game where I kind of made light of how Matt Rule handled that situation. I don't think Matt Rule, from a personnel standpoint handled that situation poorly I think it was a talent, a talent evaluation standpoint that he handled it poorly. Putting sure. all your eggs in your basket of Jeff Sims and, and saying, I mean, he's being straight up and honest with the kid and saying, essentially, I'm not sure you can beat him out.
6: Well,
5: which,
3: it, which I think from a talent, uh, talent acquisition standpoint, a uh, talent evaluation standpoint may have been a mistake that you're saying hey, if I were you, I wouldn't want the competition because what I saw from Casey Thompson in Nebraska and what I saw from Jeff Sims sure. in Nebraska shows me there wouldn't have been much of a competition, assuming Jeff Sims played in practice how he did in the games, which from what I've heard, there was some indications of that last sure. last spring and last summer. Uh, that is the, the the sticking point to me, but I don't think Matt Rule was the bad guy in this situation, similar to what I was saying earlier this hour about the Kyle McCord situation. I don't think he was the bad guy in this situation saying, you need to leave. We don't have a spot for you.
5: Well, and again, with the Casey Thompson thing, it's really easy to understand. Maybe the talent evaluation was off. That's fine. But even in doing what he did to kind of advise Casey Thompson and about the whole Jeff Sims situation, that was more for Casey Thompson's benefit than it was for Nebraska's. Yeah. He. Was good to Casey Thompson and honest with Casey Thompson, even when it was not the best thing for Nebraska. Because the best thing for Nebraska was for Jeff Sims and Casey Thompson both to be on the roster last year. And rather than being like, yeah, I mean, I think you're going to have a chance to beat him out and whatever, like he was honest with where he saw things at that moment. And at that moment, he's like, yeah, with you missing spring, going to be real tough for you to beat out Jeff Sims, who we just brought in is going to be here all spring. Like that may not be what's best for you if you want to try and have a professional career. Would it have been best for Nebraska? Absolutely. But this is the thing we've seen with Matt Rule over and over and over again. There's guys that redshirted this year that would have been helpful for Nebraska this year.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: It was better for the guy to be redshirted than to play for Nebraska. Casey Thompson being in Nebraska would have been better. Like, if Casey Thompson's quarterback in Nebraska this year, like, seven wins minimum. Like, I feel good about that. Seven wins minimum. It was better for Casey Thompson in that situation to go somewhere he knew – he could be the starter right away. He went to a situation where uh, Tom Herman's the guy that recruited him to Texas. He knew he could be the starter right away. Like, this is – that's why I have such a hard time with people that are just assuming that Matt Rule just lit these guys on fire and was like, see it? Like, this, is, this isn't Dion. He doesn't treat guys as if they're disposable. And maybe at some point we're going to, you know, get this stark reality that maybe Matt Rule isn't the guy that we thought he was. But he's been doing this for 10 years between Temple and Baylor and Carolina and Nebraska now. I haven't heard anything in a decade. Everybody that's worked with him outside of Panther fans has had nothing but good things to say about him. I just I don't think that other shoe is coming to drop. So I, I don't totally understand why people automatically panic and assume the worst. And one of the things that, that Matt Rule told us at
3: Big Ten Media Days, and we've spent a lot of time talking Husker football here. I think it's because Robbie doesn't want to talk about Creighton.
5: I absolutely do not.
3: <laughs> but one of the things that Matt Rule told me and Schmidt at Big Ten Media Days when we sat down with him, I asked him kind of a question related to Northwestern and, and Minnesota with some of the season drama they had. He said, I always run my program as if the ESPN cameras are always running. There's always a behind-the-scenes story. We saw that with the, the GB Rewind series. Mm-hmm. I do truly believe that, that he makes every decision as if the ESPN cameras are constantly rolling on the behind-the-scenes of Nebraska football in Matt role.
5: That is our number one here on Hurt At Sports Radio. Coming up next, we're going to talk to the play-by-play voice of Nebraska basketball, Kent Pavelka. Get his thoughts on the season so far as we're almost at the third waypoint through the season and uh, see what he thinks the future holds for Nebraska basketball here on Hurt At Sports Radio.
2: Welcome to Hurt At Sports Radio. Shoots the three. Bang! A ring!
7: A ring, J.P.J. and the Huskers are now up by nine. Puts his head down, drives off the window, got it. Oh,
1: sweet, sweet kiss off the plexiglass for Watson and the Huskers extend their lead. Allen to Watson shoots the three. Bang! A ring, a ring,
5: and the Huskers up by 13 points on
1: Watson's three-point
5: dagger. Kicking off hour number two here on Herd At Sports Radio, I'm Ravi Lula, Andrew, not Andrew Rogers, Elijah Herbal here with me today, sorry, Hi that's, Andrew. A, that's a habit, uh, we are live on AM590 ESPN Omaha and ESPN Tri-Cities, we are joined now by the play-by-play voice for Nebraska basketball, that is the legendary Kent Pavelka, Kent, how are you this morning?
7: Doing great, hey, thanks for inviting me on the air, I, I uh. I, I, li- I like to listen to you guys, and I really enjoy what her dad is doing and uh, all the, the various enterprises. So, uh,
5: yeah, it's good to be on with you. Well, thank you, Kent. And Kent joins us on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline. Uh, Kent, jumping into Nebraska basketball this year, I'm curious, I know you've been following this team for uh, quite a while as the play-by-play voice and you've seen a lot of different versions of Nebraska basketball so far eight and two on the season uh, has struggled a little bit against their the better competition on their schedule though they got a big win against Michigan State on Sunday how has this team performed compared to your expectations coming into the year
7: well, I don't think anybody really had any kind of a feel uh, before they got together and finally got all their players together in the summer and went over to Spain. Uh, I I saw a lot of potential the very first time I watched them practice uh, this summer. Um, and and then they bowled out to a 7-0 and record and, like you intimated, uh, maybe not against uh, you know some of the, the better teams that they were eventually going to face. And then when they they met up with uh, the Creighton Blue Jays. They, uh, you know, that was a that was a comeuppance. No question about it. All the credit in the
3: world to Creighton that night. Uh. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights. You're on that beach, with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com
1: slash AI for All.
7: You know, then the question was, you know, I mean, I saw a lot of potential and a lot of talent. uh, And we could talk about that. But uh, after that Creighton game, we wondered, you know, does this team have any resiliency? You know, how how quickly can they come back? And in the first half against Minnesota, the very next game, I thought, they played their best basketball all year long. And they're they're very impressive when they're playing well. Second half, uh, the bottom fell out again. And then you wondered again, do they have any resiliency? Well, that was answered when they, they beat up uh, Michigan State at their own game in terms of physicality. And, I mean, I don't know if you got to see that or listen to it. It was really impressive. And even though Michigan State is having a rough year, they still have a lot of talent. They mm-hmm. were preseason top five team, At any rate, now we saw some resiliency, and now what I'm looking for is consistency, and that'll be tested at, at Kansas State this Saturday, or this Sunday, I beg your pardon.
3: It's Ken Pavelka with us here on Herdette Sports Radio talking Nebraska basketball. And, and Kent, one of the things that I think some people forget about with this Husker basketball team this season, it's a lot of guys that have not played much basketball together. Whenever you, you think back to the difference in the second half of Minnesota to the, the entire game against Michigan State, do you think you saw this team gelling and coming together? Because that's, that's a big part of basketball is being able to know what your teammate is going to do, expect when he's going to be able to cut, really just that, that team nature of basketball. Did you see a step forward in the right direction in that aspect in the Michigan State game? Or, or do you still think there's more work to be done in that area?
7: Well, I think that this team is still looking for, like I, like I said, some consistency and really a measure of confidence in terms of, uh, you know, what those kinds of, you know, the second half at Minnesota and the Creighton game due to your, due to your psyche, collective psyche. I mean, I, everybody, most everybody is, is having to play with new players now with, in, in this uh, paradigm of, uh, you know, the NIL. I mean, everybody's going to have a new roster pretty much every year, uh, save for just a, a few exceptions. Um, so I don't think it's so much that as it is, um, you know, playing collectively together and just having that sense about you as a team that, you know, you've got the answer no matter how hard you get punched in the face. And I don't, I don't mean to turn this into, you know, a, a bunch of cliches, but <laughs> that's the best, that's the best way I can describe it. You know, the, these guys, when they met adversity, um, I don't know that they knew how to answer it, and, and, and I think they're learning that. And so, you know, they go forward now and play a tough game Sunday at Kansas State. I look at the Big Ten, and every night is just going to be uh, up for grabs, with the exception maybe, you know, Purdue I think is, is, a, is a cut above everybody else. But I think it's a lot of evenly matched teams in the conference. So those intangibles, you know, that uh, that growth factor – in terms of being able to, you know, play relentlessly for 40 minutes, no matter what happens to you. uh, I think the team that is able to put themselves together in that respect, uh, the teams that put themselves together in that respect are going to be the ones that play, uh, you know, after selection Sunday.
5: Uh, Ken, I'm glad you brought up the Big Ten as a whole because as I've watched this year, you mentioned the uh, Purdue as as probably kind of that cut above everybody else, and I I tend to agree with you there. But as you've watched Nebraska this year and you've seen some of the other teams in the Big Ten as well, where do you think Nebraska, if things, I guess, go well or they continue to progress throughout the year – where do you think Nebraska kind of what range do you think they can slot in into that Big Ten conference?
7: Well, I think if things go really well and and they figure it out and uh, you know don't have this yo-yo like phenomenon happen all year long uh, in terms of their you know uh, ability to maintain a level of performance, I think they can finish in the upper upper half certainly Mm -hmm. and maybe the upper third you know because I think Purdue is alone in terms of its uh uh, obvious uh talent advantage over everybody else I think Wisconsin's right there right behind them I think Illinois is really talented um you know but you dip deeper than that and I think you know like I said I think it's a team that figures it out and I think Nebraska has a chance
3: it's Ken Pavelka with us here, heard at Sports Radio. and I, I don't know if I need to introduce Ken. If you can't recognize him from the <laughs> voice, that's on you. And, but, Ken, I want to get your thoughts on what we saw specifically on Sunday with the starting lineup. Josiah Alec unavailable on Sunday, and Jawan Gary got thrust into the starting lineup. Seemed to go pretty well on Sunday. Do you see that being a plan for Fred Hoiberg moving forward, Jawan Gary in the starting lineup, Josiah Alec off the bench, or do you think we're going to have a return to normalcy in that regard?
7: I think I, I'm just – Guessing here because I have not talked to anybody or been at practice since Sunday, and um, you know I'm I don't know, but I, I'm I suspect you're, you're going to see uh, Josiah Alec back in the starting lineup for a couple of reasons. Um, he didn't do anything to uh, you know deserve a demotion, but I, I think you've got a piece coming off the bench with uh, you know the way the way they have it, the way it was before Sunday. Um, that you're not going to have that. <laughs> If you if if you change the lineup, so I just guess that it's going to go back to the way it was. And to me, it's so valid when coaches point out that who starts is an overrated kind of concept, anyway. Because you know, like like coaches will say, you know, you want to know who I think my best players are. Watch who's in the game in the last five minutes rather than the first five minutes. Hmm. But Gary is a is a really really nice talent, and he gives them another element. But that's nice to have coming off the bench, you know, four or five minutes into the game.
5: Kent, i got to tell you, as a former basketball coach, I totally agree with the last five minutes versus the first five minutes. Real hard to convince 18-year-olds of that. I'm going to be honest with
7: you. You know, but I think Gary has bought into it. Uh, Last year, C.J. Wiltshire bought into it. Sure. Uh, You know, if if these guys respect their coaches in terms of seeing dividends – Playing the way they're being coached, then they buy in and, and they get it. And if they're, you know, if they're getting their 17 to 22 minutes, uh, you know, I think uh, most of them are going to be going to be satisfied as long as, as they're playing and, and they're winning.
5: Kent, you know, we, we were talking about Juwan Gary here and his efficiency this season. Although only in seven games so far, um, has been dramatically improved from any other point in his career, you see it in the field goal percentage, you see it in the three point percentage, you see it in his points per game. What have you seen from him that's led to that and how sustainable do you think some of those numbers are as we go throughout the year?
7: Well, I think that the question about Jawan all along since he transferred from Alabama is can he shoot the ball, you know. Sure. I mean, you can't question his his physicality, his athleticism, his motor um you know the way he can defend now you know can he make shots outside the paint and when he came here uh he wasn't a real good shooter but I think this is a um a real feather in the cap of of Fred Hoiberg and should you know uh impress recruits because he can bring people in here and develop them and I think Gary's got a chance I mean he you know, with that shoulder, he came in with a bad shoulder, and that affected his, his perimeter shooting, his jump shot. But uh, they worked with him uh, even during the time last winter when he had the, the cast on and all that uh, on his balance and whatnot and really shooting with one arm, and that served him well. But, you know, at the same time, the last thing I want to see is Jawan Jack, and Threes in the first minute of the game, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's Kent Pavelka with us here, Heard at Sports Radio. And and Kent, whenever you specifically look ahead to, to Sunday in Kansas State, this Kansas State team is not the same team that they were last year, but they're still dangerous. The crazy stat to me this season is in 10 games, already four overtime games for Kansas State. They have won all four of those. The first being against Providence, another overtime win against Oral Roberts, and then against North Alabama and finally against Villanova. Already four overtime games, all four wins for Kansas State. Whenever you look at at what this Kansas State team is this season. I'm not sure how far into your game prep you you've you've divin a uh, dove. 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 <laughs> no, That's the dove. word. <laughs> what do you think this Kansas State squad is this season? What challenges do they present Nebraska?
7: Well, of course, they they just lost uh, maybe one of their – well, certainly one of their best players. Tomlin's been excused from participating. Uh, I think you've all read about that. 6'11 kit was really instrumental in their Elite Eight uh, season last year. And they really miss – you know Noel at point guard. I mean, who wouldn't? He was really different and special. And then uh, Keontae Johnson, who really should have been playing for Nebraska last year. Don't get me don't get me started on that. But th- those two guys, those three guys, aren't there. At the same time, uh, you know, I've been to Ahern a zillion times. It's been a while since uh, i broadcast from there, and it can get. I mean, it, it's it can be in a, a den of iniquity <laughs> in terms of atmosphere. Um, so it's going to be tough. I mean, you know, uh, Villanova right now, maybe not the best they've ever been. Uh, but like, like, just like Michigan state still very talented. Uh, they couldn't win there. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. They've, they've got, uh, uh, you know, uh, they've got really good players, three of them right at 16 points a game. Um, I think it's just the same old story, you know, Nebraska Huskers have got a, you know, uh, Wash, rinse, and, and repeat the way they played and the way it all felt while they played against Michigan State. And they, they got to do it for 40 minutes, you know. And if they do, I think it'll be
5: a good game. Ken, based on the way that game at Minnesota went, how important do you think it is that Nebraska is able to go and get a Power Five win away from Pinnacle Bank Arena?
7: Oh, I think it's, uh, it would be a huge win Saturday, uh, Sunday because again if the Huskers are able to you know uh, in, at the end of the day in early march have fared well enough in, in the, the Big 10 to be in the conversation a, a win against Kansas State and at Kansas State in non-conference play could put them over the over the uh, you know it could, could be the thing that, that gets them in the tournament and i know people think you know, well it's you know it's pretty early to be talking about that, but hope springs eternal. And I, I really like this team. I like, I love the players individually, collectively. I love the coaching staff. I think they've got more potential than any time, certainly since Fred's been there. And, um, uh, I'm, I'm just real hopeful. And, and I, 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 this would be a huge win.
3: Can, as you look at it now, maybe an early preview of your keys to the game. Can you give me a guy or two that you think needs to step up on Sunday for Nebraska to get it done? Oh boy, I think. Um, well, I think uh, I'm definitely putting you on the spot here, Ken. I do apologize no, 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 for
7: that. I'm fine, I'm just thinking about it. Uh, you know, uh, Rink Mast was kind of eight wall in the Creighton game, you know, and he was mm. huge Sunday against Michigan State. It reminded me of Derek Walker a little bit, the way. He was uh, passing the ball, wound up, I think, with four or five assists. Uh, I think that, you know, he needs to be as effective uh, game in and game out as he was, more effective like he was against Michigan State than than, than how he, you know, just wasn't a factor against Creighton. Um, uh, You know, uh, Bryce Williams scored 17 points, I think it was, in the first half against Minnesota and one in the second half. I mean, this this is a guy that I think has probably the most potential to play on the next level, and he just needs a little more motor, in my opinion. You know, a little, just out of his personality, to be as uh, aggressive and forceful at all times uh, as he needs to be. But the guy I think that might be the key to the game and the season, really, is Jamarcus Lawrence. You know, he's put in a tough situation, moving from the two-guard to point guard, and, uh, you know, he's... He, he's uh, that's a lot to ask of a guy, and to also. Oh, by the way, we still want you to score 15 points a game. But I'm seeing I'm seeing improvement with him. You know, the longer I talk about this, I'll mention they're all 13 players here. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: right, uh, Kent? If you uh, could if you could snap your fingers and and fix a certain spot on this team, would it be getting a true point guard in? For this team, because it does kind of seem like that is the missing piece to sort of getting them to that next level.
7: Uh, no question about it. I, I think that that you know, I, like I said, I think that Jamarcus is kind of a key. You know, if, if he can if he can continue to develop, and you know, he's he's, he's really good defensively, uh, and um, and his assist numbers are good. But yeah, I mean, Aaron Aaron Uless was the guy, and then you got the gambling thing with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could go on and on this year and over the summer and guys that were near misses and you know how about how about catching a break you know everything falls into place and you've got all the pieces that that look like you you know you have a chance to get these guys and, and then it doesn't work out for whatever reason but yeah, um, yeah it's, it's uh, you're trying to do it and everybody's got a problem in, you know, at this level you know uh, warts in terms of you know, not having all the pieces you want—that's, I think, that's it for Nebraska. And I think that also that point guard is kind of—it's—it's uh, uh, it's a in this in this day and age in college basketball, being a point guard is not what it used to be. You know, it's not the guy that brings the ball across a timeline mm-hmm. and pounds the ball to sleep. You know, and, and <laughs> you know, and get, let's let's get it back to him and, you know, on every possession before somebody. He's got to be the guy that assists on the shot. I mean, once you get it across the timeline, push the ball, and see if you've got anything in early early offense, then everybody in, in this offense uh, is kind of a point guard, a point player every time he catches the ball, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, looking for the guy with, with the best shot. So um, I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but, uh, yeah, I you know, Uh, that would be you know and and you talk about how deep you are all of a sudden you get third through the season and you think yeah I don't know if we're as deep as we thought (laughs) that kind of thing you know everybody's got that problem
3: can't really fast you before we get you out I got to get your thoughts I I was going to maybe ask do you have any insight in the quarterback situation I'll (laughs) let that lie for now but Husker volleyball plays tonight at six o'clock you got any big plans for that Husker volleyball game as they're taking on Pitt in the final four
7: you want a quarterback comment and a volleyball comment? <laughs> we, we
3: we we can leave the court. We can let the quarterback comment lie. I mean, everyone's I got a quarterback like, thought uh, right now.
7: Do I look like John Baylor or Greg Sharp? <laughs> 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 no, I mean, can you believe the phenomenon that John Cook has created? Like Tom Osborne used to say, uh, he used to characterize Nebraska football as. I think this was a great, you know, ad lib on his part. He said. This thing that we have concocted for ourselves, <laughs> you know, the you know this 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 uh, point of uh, attraction and you know the whole state focused on it. Yeah, that's what volleyball is. So you know, I, I sure hope that they can they can get it done here in two more uh, matches and then um, yeah. You know, uh, if you want to talk about Nebraska football and NIL, I'd be happy to be a co-host with you for like the next two <laughs> years. I got I got a lot of opinions on what's going on in athletics. Can I get done doing when I get done doing this? I want to do a podcast and like be able to really say what I think about things. You know,
5: well, Ken, we may have a spot for you <laughs> over at P Uncensored. I, I say we may have a spot for you over at Herdatt. Don't don't tease me like that, uh, Ken. Yeah.
7: So, I <laughs> Tell them to, 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 to check the balance in their checkbook, and you've got my number. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, Kent, before we let you go, I do just have to say, uh, you know, we mentioned football there. Obviously, you were the, the football play-by-play voice, and before that, the color commentary voice for Nebraska football for so long. Uh, for me personally, it's just a pleasure to talk to you. You're kind of the voice of my childhood. I used to listen to all those games, uh, and you broadcast them on the radio during those uh, those glory years in the mid '90s. So, and I'll, I'll second that. It wasn't football for me. I'm a little younger than Ravi, so
3: it was growing up uh, <laughs> driving in the car, listening to Husker basketball. I've just great memories listening to you on the radio. I was a little starstruck whenever I uh, got the text yesterday. <laughs> we have KP on tomorrow, so it's it's been a pleasure.
7: You guys are too kind. You really are, and I. It's all been a great pleasure for me, and I'm just fortunate enough to be able to keep doing it at this point. So
5: I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. That's Kempavelka. Pavelka. Thank you. Kempavelka, play-by-play voice of Nebraska basketball, formerly play-by-play voice of Nebraska football. I'm I, like, And I'm not even exaggerating. I used to – because, I mean, people forget. People your age forget a little bit. The games didn't all used to be on TV. Mm. Like, I literally would be in my backyard – listening on a little Walkman radio to Kent calling Nebraska games. So uh, it always is a pleasure when we get to talk to Kent. We appreciate him uh, giving us the time there as well. One of my favorite memories growing up listening to Kent, it still stands out
3: distinctly in my memory. It would have been, I mean, back when basketball games were still played at Bob Devaney, it was number two Texas coming to town. I can't remember who was number one that week, but number one had fallen. So Texas was the presumptive number one team beginning the next week. And Nebraska basketball comes in said Bob Devaney that day it's rocking I'm listening on, on the radio the game was on ESPN that day but I'm listening to KP on the radio yep. and Nebraska is able to take down Texas in a low scoring game if
5: I remember correctly that was Kevin Durant's say, freshman year I think it would have been 0, uh, 07 I think because that would have been the only time I think because when you were saying that them number two presumptive number one I think that was 07 uh, and that would have been Kevin Durant's freshman year uh, as well, but I, I, the other thing that I remember, this is a super random memory, I remember being at my dad's software store listening to Kent Pavelka call I believe it was the 95 NIT championship when <laughs> Nebraska basketball won the NIT so uh, Kent's been a, a huge part of my life as a Husker fan growing up and uh, really appreciate him giving us the time uh, and joining us here and
6: Bang! Hooray!
5: Nice. Hooray. Can you do I'll say do we have the got it in there somewhere, Shane? The the Kemp Pavelka? Got It Anywhere? Is is there still the Kent Pavelka Dang! soundboard? I ran! <laughs> The what? The Kemp, there used to be the Kemp Pavelka soundboard online oh, with, yes. with all the different Kemp yes. Kemp Pavelka sounds. That was that was got always the it! best. There we there go. There it is. That's the one. Uh, Sean on the YouTube says he was actually at that Texas Nebraska game, best basketball environment he's ever seen. Uh, good stuff there from uh, from our guy, Ken Pavelka, on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline. Uh, real quick, want to tell you about War Horse Sportsbook. They're the best place in Nebraska to place your sports bets. You can do so in Lincoln at the casino or at Horseman's Park here. In Omaha, you can place live bets, props, parlay, straight bets on nearly every major sporting event. Warhorse Sportsbook has you covered. Make sure you get the Warhorse Sportsbook app or visit WarhorseCasino.com/sportsbook for all the details and full house rules. Warhorse Sportsbook, no bets, no glory. Coming up next, we're gonna get a little Hurt at hot seat. Get to know Elijah a little better here on Hurt at Sports Radio. You're
2: listening to Hurt At Sports Radio.
5: We're halfway through the show here on Hurt At Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula, Elijah Herbal here with me. We're on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. And we are about to do the Hurt At Hot Seat. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you about our friends at Dingman's Collision Center. Dingman's has four great Omaha area locations. They are family-owned and operated. They've been in business in Omaha for over 25 years, and they've been voted first place Best of Omaha for 18 years running. That's because they've got the latest technology to work on all makes and models, anything from your Ford to your Tesla, and they also invest back in the community they give back with every car repaired. Go visit Dingmans.com for more information. All right, it is time for that hurt at Hot Seat, as I mentioned. Uh, Elijah, I'll go first so you kind of get the uh, the swing of things a little bit here. Uh, my number one question for you, okay? I always tell people that, you know, people think that people who are involved and in work in sports are – these are not my words, but think they're kind of cool or they have cool jobs or whatever – The thing is, we're all giant dorks, Mm -hmm. and the thing we're dorky about just happens to be viewed as cool by society, right? Like, we're no different than the people that go to Comic-Con. Just our thing is sports. Their thing is comic books, which, I mean, I like comic movies, too, so I'm not, you know, no judgment, but... Comic books rock. We're just as big of dorks as everyone else that has their hobby, right? What is the dorkiest sports-related thing you have ever done, and I can give you an example so you have time to think about it here. When I was in college, I was part of what I can only describe as a simulated baseball league. So it was like fantasy baseball, but everything was made up. Somebody had a computer program. I ran a franchise. So when I say franchise, I say I had a major league team, a triple A team, a double A team, and a single A team. All of the players were made up. Somebody was just running a computer program. Basically, I don't know if it was off of like a video game or whatever, but they were running this computer program and uh, basically simulating all of the stats, all the games, everything. This was like a year-round thing. You drafted, you signed free agents. This was a huge time commitment. Then they'd give out all the results over AOL Instant Messenger. You like were part of a group, uh, a, a group chat deal. Like, by far the dorkiest thing I've ever done. And because it was literally just super involved fantasy baseball, but none of it was even based on reality. It was all based off of some guy's computer program. Interesting. Okay, I have a thought that comes to mind okay. we,
3: we, we were just talking during the break naming off heisman winners and yes. naming off world series winners that's like the dorky like day-to-day life type thing yes but your story has reminded me that i have an app on my phone that i probably haven't opened in a couple of years now i don't even know if it's still up to date but it's just called cfc short okay. for college Football Coach. okay <laughs> And what it is, is it's kinda like dynasty mode in NCAA football back in the day, if yes. you remember. Oh, but I, I remember. But a little bit more bare bones. And I resurrected the Hawaii football program. Oh yeah. And I took this game <laughs> over a hundred seasons. <laughs> I am telling you, like, we are in 2160 something, <laughs> if I had to guess, in that app. I won like 90 national titles. Nice. Um, there's no reason for me to keep playing it. It's unfair. I get all the top recruits yes. every single season yeah. because you know I've been playing in the national championship game every single season. I started like reinventing my offenses just <laughs> for fun. Like, oh, we're going power running game this it's season. It's like when
5: you used to play NCAA back in like 05, when you could get like 35 stars in one. Class and it just was totally, I mean, it was totally imbalanced that way. Um, I so I did that with, and this is probably where my sim baseball thing was birthed. I used to do that with NCAA football. I would never play the games. I had no interest in actually like playing the games. I would run the dynasty. I'd recruit. I'd do whatever, and then I just simulate the games because I just wanted to see if because like if you play the games, you can pretty much win every time if you're. Any good at the actual oh, yeah. football game, so it's like I wanted to see if I actually deserved to win, and so I would go through. And I think NCAA football stops you at 30 seasons. I think it like you retire, you're forced into retirement. They they Bobby Bowden you after like 30 seasons, uh, but 100 seasons that's impressively dorky.
3: I mean, you can make it through a season in like 10, 15 minutes. It goes pretty quick. Oh, does
5: it? Oh, like, so that helps.
3: It's it's only sim games. You can't go play it. It's, yeah. it's a very bare bones app. Okay. Not a great app by any means. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I went deep into the University of Hawaii and saved that football program. <laughs> Turned him into an absolute juggernaut. You love to see it. And I'm like, my coach is like 160 years old now at this point. <laughs> Timmy Chang would be proud. Um, all right, that is, that's my first question. What is yours? Uh, it is not sports-related. Okay. So bear with me. No here. worries. I just know you, being a, a big Creed fan... Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate in my own right about the Creed. Okay. I was actually talking to my friend Alex Kinneman yesterday. Shout out to Alex. I'm, I doubt he's listening. He's down in Lincoln right now working at a bank. Um, but we were talking yesterday about putting together a group of people to go carol this year but only sing Creed
5: songs. <laughs>
3: <laughs> With arms wide open. With
5: arms wide open.
3: <laughs> Discussions were had. I think Hire was the first one we wanted to get right for the, the caroling. Well, sure, yeah. Um, but my question to you is, if you could be any member of a band, we're talking the instruments, bass, guitar, drums, lead singer, what spot in the band would you want to be? In general or of a specific band? In general. Okay. Un, un, let's, let's say in, in this fantasy world, you started a band with your high school friends and you okay. are now world famous. Okay.
5: What spot in that band would you want to have? So I think the right answer here is drummer. That's a good answer. Because, well, so yeah. like it doesn't—it right. doesn't fit my skill set at all. Like, I am, if I'm being totally honest, I probably want to be the lead singer because I'm a little bit, you know, I've, I've got an ego and whatever, and I like, I like the the attention. We work at a radio, um, of course. We have a little ego and a little yeah, narcissism like, going uh, on. You know, I'm a Leo, so I kind of <laughs> like being the center of attention. Oh, don't there. go there. <laughs> And so, um, I, if that's probably the true answer, but I think the for me, that's probably the true answer. The right answer, and I saw a comedian do a bit on this, and I can't remember who it was, so I apologize, but I think the right answer is drummer, because he was using Coldplay as an example, which I'm a big Coldplay fan also. I have a very eclectic music taste. Um, so, yes, I can like both Creed and Coldplay at the same time, uh, but he was talking about how the drummer in Coldplay has all of the benefits of being in Coldplay yet. He can just walk down the street and nobody, nobody bothers knows. him. Yep. I could not, the, 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 the drummer from Coldplay could murder my entire family and I could not pick him out of the lineup. They could be like, Hey, it is the drummer from Coldplay. We know this. You just have to identify him. And I'd be like, I'm sorry. I can't bring you justice mom. Like that's like, I couldn't do it. And so you get all the benefits of being like super rich and super successful and you get to all the cool experiences of like playing in stadiums and all that kind of stuff and you get to be a totally normal guy as soon as you walk off stage like i think that's the right answer but i'm an eomaniac so i would be the lead singer (laughs) it's funny how, how similar we
3: are there i think the last one i'd want to be is guitarist
5: yeah, like a bass player. Like it's come on, man.
3: Bass player would be fine. It looks it seems to be a boring life. Like but the guitar player, you have to have like the guitar solo face. Yeah. You and, gotta like make the cool guy face. And, and have and, you like seen like like the still shot pictures of a guitarist when they're in the middle of a solo? It is usually not a cool face. It's like it looks cool in the moment whenever you're in the crowd, yeah. you're looking at it and then you get the up close look at it and it's not a good looking not face. A, it's not the face I wanna have plastered all over the internet it or It seems a little bit like you're
5: trying to hold in a fart. <laughs> yeah. Like it's kind of the <laughs> the the, the guitar solo freeze frame is kind of the hold in a fart face. Um, so, yeah, not ideal. Not ideal for, like, an Instagram photo uh, or anything like that. But you're going drummer, too, you think? I think drummer – I was in choir back. I was the president of my choir oh, back in high school, okay. actually. So
6: I
3: think I could handle the lead singer duties. Yes. Do I want that pressure? No, not really. Being the drummer, it'd be fun. I feel like you can be the fun guy in the band, yes. you know? like yeah. Like, when I speak broadly about a band, like – If your drummer has a massive drug problem, like you're cool with it because he's the drummer. (laughs) Like, that's just the fun guy. He's the drummer. He's like, he's the drummer. He's fine. Nobody worries about him. Like, like, I feel like it's the least pressure spot of a band. And, like, keeping rhythm, I can do that.
5: Yeah, I think so. Uh, Now, there are definitely varied skills on drummers, but I think uh, for most bands, you can get away with a pretty basic drummer. Mm -hmm. Like, there's obviously differences when they're really good. I think the John away. Bonham types. Yeah. yeah, like you can get away with like a pr- like a, like a pretty basic drummer if everything else is good. Shane, do you have one? I hear you chiming in over there. I would be the drummer. That's yeah. the way to go, See, man. A drummer is the offensive lineman, yes. of a band. Yes, like they're, you. They're not, up- they're not sexy. They're, they're not going to get the girls. Totally essential. I mean, the drummer probably is getting girls. To be fair, but they, they, I don't they, know. You get the you get the cool you get the the cool solo. I mean, with with you get the, the you traps, get a cool drum solo. You, get you, you
3: don't get the headlines, but you're probably the
5: most essential part of that band. Yeah, you're the backbone. Exactly, you're the backbone of the band. That's what every drummer will tell you, and every other musician will tell you who's the guy we could do without the drummer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is heard at hot seat. We will continue with some more heard at hot seat later on if we've got time. But coming up next, we're we're trying to make you some money with our guy Brian Edwards, our Vegas insider here on heard at Sports Radio. <laughs>
2: You're listening to
5: Herd At Sports Radio.
2: Now, Vegas Insider, senior handicapper, and fan of the cold Budweiser bottles, Brian Edwards. It's
1: got to be touchdown, touchdown, touchdown.
2: Brian Edwards.
1: I don't really love it. Brian
2: Edwards.
1: Boy, they using the cream cheese to butter the bagel. Brian
2: Edwards. I'm
5: going with the
2: cowgirls. Here is Brian Edwards.
5: Welcome in to Herd Out Sports Radio. As we wrap up our number two, I'm Ravi Lula, Elijah Herbal with me. We're on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and we're joined on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline by our guy Brian Edwards, our Vegas insider. B, you still cold this week? What's going on, man? Man, we got low 40s, brother. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, for your lows or for your highs? Because if those are your lows, I'm not super sympathetic.
1: Right, yeah. You're not super, super sympathetic. <laughs> Low 40s, man. Uh, yeah, pretty cold around here. It's, it's, How y'all doing?
5: It's hard out there in the state of Florida. We're doing pretty good, B. Uh, you know, I, I notice a lot of times, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm making this up, but tell me if I'm wrong here. I notice a lot of times you kind of tend to stay away from these Thursday night NFL plays. Is that intentional or do you just not like the matchups most weeks?
1: You know, um, it's not that I'm trying to stay away. It's just that uh, neither quarterback is inspiring a lot of confidence with me right now. Easton Stick making his second NFL appearance last week and uh, the Raiders getting no touchdowns. Now, I know that, you know, one might think, okay, uh, a lot of these primetime games go under. But man, you get a defensive touchdown, a big special teams play, twenty-one to fourteen, gets thirty-five, and gets the over. So, you know, it's not. A, it's not intentional. Um, I just have no idea what to do with this game tonight, fellas. <laughs> well, well, Brian, I mean, Omaha, Omaha zone. Like He's gonna I mean, Omaha, Brian, I gonna say, I mean come on,
3: Omaha native. You're on an Omaha radio show here. <laughs> that might be all the indication you need.
1: There you go. Well, Educate me because I was – and I should have looked it up. Where did he play college? NDSU.
3: North, North Dakota State. set a whole bunch of records up there at North Dakota State. And if I remember okay. correctly, he still has that famous video of him
5: dribbling a football. That was I him think at so. North Dakota State, yeah, if you was, ever see that. He was dribbling a football like it was a basketball,
1: yeah. Now, that's the same program as Carson Wentz and um, our guy that the Niners Lance, gave away yeah. a lot. Yeah, Trent. Thank you. Yeah, yeah
5: they've uh, ironically put in more quarterbacks in the NFL than a lot of FBS programs. Uh, more lately. than Nebraska, <laughs> by exactly. a hell of a lot. I mean, yeah, I mean, any right. is more than Nebraska. So, <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, we, we were discussing this on on Hill Varsity Varsity in the afternoons, like last week. N- Nebraska, I don't think has had a quarterback throw an NFL pass in a regular season game dating back to like the mid '80s.
5: Yeah, I think that's right, Ferragamo.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think. Vince Ferragamo was a Nebraska guy? Yeah,
5: believe yeah. it or not. Yeah, I think that's the last Did one. Did not know that. Did not.
1: You guys are educating the hell out of me today. <laughs> Easton stick. And Vince Farragamo. I mean, I'm your guest. I'm supposed to be dropping the knowledge. Well, but I appreciate you guys. Let's see if you
5: can that. drop a little knowledge. Well, they're on... actually the last Husker to throw a pass in a regular season game, though Rex Burkhead. Oh, you love to see it. You love sexy Rexy. We love ah. Rex Burkhead. <laughs> um. B, let's get uh, let's get some games where you can drop a little knowledge on us. I know that you're looking at the Bears and Browns. Uh, that is a Browns minus three. Bears sneaky playing, kind of okay though. What do you like there?
1: Yeah, no, um, Bears are playing very okay. No, no question about it. And look, with the way things are jammed up, and and uh, actually both conferences. Um, The Bears are not out of the playoff mix, but I believe they will be after Sunday because I am feeling Joe Flacco and the Brown. I mean, not and not this is not a play, just based upon, you know, Joe Flacco. The Browns are just uh, playing good ball overall, and they've been outstanding at home all year, six and one, both straight up and against the spread, and seven home games. The Bears two and five straight up. They are four and three. ATS on the road. However, two of those spread covers were in games they lost by uh, five and another one by seven, which obviously uh, with a three-point spread here would not be spread covers with this line. And um, you know, the Browns, I mean, they beat the Bengals by three touchdowns at home. They beat the Titans by 24 at home. They beat the Cardinals by 27 at home. And then, you know, uh, quality teams like the Jags and the Niners, they've beaten at home. And I'm not going to call the Steelers quality team, but they also uh, <laughs> beat them at home. And their only setback at home was the Ravens who, you know, I think we would all all rank in the top three, four uh, of the NFL, power ranking-wise right now. And uh, the Browns have been favored seven times this year, whether home or away, six and one straight up, five and two ATS. So give me the Browns. But I'm also on the over as well. The, the weather's not going to be too bad, but, it, you know, even if it were, uh, Bears and Browns are used to it. And I just think this is a a really, really low number. Uh, the Overs hitting three straight for the Browns, uh, six and two in their last eight. Uh, they've had combined scores like 58, 55, 41, 64, 44, 77, uh, over seven and six overall for the Bears, despite the under being on a five and one run. However, uh, of those five, uh, unders in Chicago's last six games, three of them would have been overs with this low uh, number that we've got, 38, um, uh, being the total this week that we, we like the over on. Uh, three of uh, the Bears' recent unders had combined scores of 41, 41 again, and 43. So, um, in other words, that five-and-one under run is really irrelevant because uh, we're playing over 38 in the spot. Brian,
3: should I look at parlaying those two bets, or is that a an individual straight bet each way?
1: Those are straight bets each way, but I'm all for uh anyone that wants to be aggressive <laughs> 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 have, have at it but I mean that's that's everyone's choice, but these are straight plays each for me.
5: Brian Edwards is for fun. Let it be known. I was it uh, you know me? I like to get crazy and do some of the parlays out here, although not quite as much as andrew does he's a he's a little bit of a. He's, he's a little, a little more uh, risky than I am. See, I love the UFC parlays. We'll get to that in just a second. I was going to say, before we get to that UFC parlay that you got rocking this week, be uh, Ravens at Jags. Ravens minus three. I kind of tend to think the Ravens are a little fraudulent, but you like them this week.
1: I do. I mean, you know, that was a tough game last week. Uh, no doubt about it, but I, I think the Rams are, are uh, you know, I think the Rams are pretty feisty. And with Stafford healthy... Mm-hmm. Um, in others, I just I just don't think you know bad weather game the whole deal. So I, I don't um, I don't downgrade them uh, after last week. And um, man, the Jags have got they've got issues, man, uh, defensively especially. Mm-hmm. And uh, for whatever reasons, man, the Jags have just not played well at home all year. They're two and four both straight up and ATS at home, uh, whereas the Ravens four and one straight up, three and two. Uh, ATS on the road, and uh, you know the Christian Kirk injury is, is a big one mm-hmm. uh, for the Jags. Uh, they've got a, a number of guys uh, that are questionable uh, as well. Uh, that you know probably won't know more. Won't, I mean, we'll know more about uh, maybe to, maybe this afternoon, but probably more so tomorrow afternoon. ETN's among those guys. Uh, Zay Jones, Andre Cisco, their outstanding safety uh, out of Syracuse. So. Uh, the fact that they're banged up, the fact that Ravens are rolling, the fact that for whatever reason, um, they don't play well at home all has me liking the Ravens minus three. Now I, I know that some, some books are, you know, starting to put that juice on the three, you know, at minus 120 or whatever. So for those that agree with me, I would say, uh, go ahead and get it today because I don't so much like it at three and a half or, or would want you to buy the half point to three, which it seems like is probably going to get more expensive uh, as the week goes.
3: It's Brian Edwards with us here talking the weekend betting action. And let's move to UFC. Now, as I said it earlier, I love the UFC parlays. I love Leon Edwards in this spot. Patty Pimbley and Tony Ferguson's an interesting one this weekend. Uh, I also really, really like Andre Feely in this spot, but you're the expert. I want to get your thoughts on what you like in UFC this weekend because I've been told you got a parlay rock in this weekend.
1: Yeah, guys. So what I had was I had Ian Gary along uh, with Bryce Mitchell, who That's good. at last look was around minus 220. Now, a heads up, Bryce took this fight on like 11 days notice but he was in shape he was ready to get a fight I mean, and obviously we won't know about his weight until tomorrow morning but i don't i don't think it's a concern and, and Josh Emmett now at age 38 off back to back losses i think Bryce is going to be able to grapple him and then I'll, so i like so anyway, Gary and uh, got, has got pneumonia, so him and Luke a is off. So no longer do I have Gary on the parlay. I'm going to replace him with Leon Edwards, nice. along with Bryce Mitchell, and let's go with Alex Pantoja uh, minus one ninety. So this is a three-leg parlay. That apologies, I am just now throwing into the parlay calculator because I saw that <laughs> he and Gary was off the card about two minutes before <laughs> before I was going on with you guys so I am typing the numbers in now and y'all feel free to yeah, chat but Brent, you actually in,
3: informed me about Ian Gary my problem is I'm a Broncos fan so hopefully that Broncos game is over early enough <laughs> that I can watch the main card but the UFC every single weekend I was really looking forward to that Luke K versus Ian Gary fight that was probably the, my number one fight on the card but now it's off off the table and y- you informed me this morning it's no longer
6: on,
1: yeah. No, I, I was really looking forward to that card too. And I was gonna do uh, Gary to win inside the distance at a small minus. Uh, okay, I got my parlay calculator. So, because Gary was so much more expensive than Leon Edwards, we have a much more lucrative parlay here. So, we get for you know, if you wanted to risk 100, uh, you would get back 260 and 77 cents, so plus 260 on this parlay. It was plus 182 previously. So one more time: Bryce Mitchell, Alex Pantoja, Leon Edwards, plus 260 UFC 96 part 296 part. That's a winner. Well, we know you've got some college football
5: bowl game uh, action as well, but we are out of time. Where can people find that, some of your other picks, B?
1: Uh, at Vegas B. Edwards on Twitter or Vegas Insider, all my picks are av- available. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a great weekend.
5: Thank you, Brian. That's Brian Edwards, our Vegas Insider. Make sure you go check him out on Twitter to get some more of his picks that we weren't able to get to this morning. Coming up next, we've got our guy Michael Brunz. Maybe there's something going on in recruiting in the world today. We'll see here on Herdot Sports Radio. Welcome to Heard
2: at Sports Radio.
5: Welcome back to Heard at Sports Radio here on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. And on this third hour, we're on KFOR in Lincoln as well. I'm Robbie Lula, Elijah Herbal here with me and we are brought to you by our friends at Pratt Dental. Dr. Pratt was the first dentist in Nebraska to be certified in the BioClear method. Located in North Platte, Nebraska, the BioClear method and modern smile design can correct many aesthetic dilemmas in a permanent and less invasive manner than traditional treatments such as crowns. That means it's less time, less waiting, less invasive, which means fewer appointments, because you can get multiple restorations done in the same day. Go check out Pratt Dental online and the BioClear method. It's prattdental.com bioclear dash dental dash treatment. Or just go to prattdental.com and find the BioClear treatment under their services. Uh, Pratt Dental creating healthy smiles. Uh, Join now a uh, guy with a very healthy smile. Our friend Michael Bruns from Husker 24-7. Bruns, how you doing this morning? Not bad. What's going on? Uh, you know nothing much. I think it's been a pretty quiet week. Um, how have you been? Just trying to find
3: things to talk about, right?
5: This is the this is the quiet December that we all
4: expected it to be at the, uh, <laughs> at the start of the month. It's gonna coast right into signing day, and then uh, turn our attention to, to whatever's next in uh, in the new year. So yeah, this has been <laughs> these last three days have been a week. I'll tell you that.
5: Yeah, Bruns, I'm curious. You know, I I know that. You you focus on a lot of kind of different areas within your role for Husker twenty four seven. At what point did you start to hear rumblings of the whole Dylan Rayola thing?
4: Uh, I mean Monday. I mean I, I think that was Schaefer and I were talking about it, and in, in the time that we've been covering Nebraska for twenty four seven Sports, which I believe now is thirteen years. The the only time that you could kind of that that we could kind of remember just kind of a lightning bolt like that was when Mike the the press or the press release came out that Mike Riley was being hired as Nebraska's head coach. <laughs> um, so those types of moments are are rare. But uh, yeah, that that one th- th- there there was a few rumblings, but I mean you're kind of at the point where. You kind of moved on from that being a possibility, I guess. So there was quite a bit of doubt in my mind, and then it was like, okay, there's there's really something to this in a big way. So yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the Mike Riley press conference and having to be like, okay, Mike Riley from Oregon State, like that. That was the. Uh, <laughs> there's not another feeling. Mike Riley. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the only comparison that we could really come up with.
3: It's Michael Brunt's with us here on Herd at Sports Radio, and. Michael, whenever you, you just look at the week that has been, has it been crazier? I mean, the, the Monday was crazy, and then you followed up with Tuesday, Wednesday, yesterday with, with McCord, now out, just the entire week as a whole. Have you remembered covering any crazier recruiting week in Husker history?
4: Um. Well, there, there's been a, there were a few during the Polini era where there was one recruiting class where they got – they got thirteen commitments in thirty days, I think, in uh-huh. December. Uh-huh. So, but I mean, when you're you're talking about like the 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 types of prospects and players that Nebraska is dealing with right now, I mean that it far surpasses anything that it's kind of had in the past. I mean, you know, if if the Dylan Rayola thing gets over the finish line and he ends up signing with Nebraska, I mean, you're talking about the the highest rated recruit in the internet era that, that would be signing with Nebraska. I mean, that, that's unprecedented um, for, for, you know, the last 20 years, um, you know, Kyle Accord, a former, you know, five-star quarterback you're talking about there. I mean, you, know, you had Julian Fleming on campus as, you know, another five-star wide receiver uh, from when he was a recruit. So no, I mean, it, it's um, the, the, the type of, prospect that you're talking about is so so totally different and i I think that's a good thing for nebraska certainly um but but it also you know brings up a a different kind of level of nuance that you know you're you got to kind of get used to and i think that's what you're seeing right now is just a lot of a lot of shuffling a lot of dominoes falling right now with uh you know what nebraska especially the quarterback position is going to look like
3: And let's quickly reset it here for listeners. If you somehow missed this yesterday, Kyle McCord was in town on Monday. Things were looking good. And then yesterday it comes out that he has moved on from his consideration of Nebraska. And it's big because Nebraska obviously... Thought they had maybe their quarterback for next season with his one-year eligibility, but the the side note to this is Julian Fleming. They were kind of seen as a package deal to Nebraska. Michael, based on what you know and what you've been hearing, do you think Julian Fleming to Nebraska is dead? Does that still have legs? What is the status of Julian Fleming in all of this?
4: Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I, I, I would not bet on that happening um, as we sit here this morning. I mean, I I don't know that it was ever. Uh, a, a, just a straight package deal. I mean, those those tend to kind of evaporate quickly, um, mm-hmm. just based on how that, that's always kind of gone. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you know he had a lot of op- has a lot of options. I mean, he'd been at Penn State um, earlier in the w- or late last week. He's a Pennsylvania guy. I mean, I I think you know there, there's a lot of options for him right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's it, it just kind of what what it felt like was happening on on Monday um, you know' evaporated pretty quickly but I mean that that's that's kind of what you you have to deal with I think when it comes to the quarterback spot I mean you know Kyle McCord has one year to kind of make this make this happen um, and then you know I, I think the the Rayola news breaking when it did probably wasn't ideal timing for Nebraska and um, you know, now you, you you don't you don't have McCord. Fleming's probably not coming. And and uh, if you're Nebraska, you're you're still kind of trying to, to to figure out what your last few pieces of this class look like.
5: Bruns, as we uh, move forward, I, I think the assumption for a lot of people is that Dylan Rayola is going to end up at Nebraska. If that is the case, do you think anyone comes with him? I know in the past. Uh, there was a, a lot of talk about maybe him peer recruiting some receivers or other players to Nebraska with him as well. Are we too late in the process for that to still be uh, possible, or are you hearing anything in that area? Yeah, I mean it, it's late. I mean, and, and that's
4: that, that's kind of the the unfortunate part of it is, is if you you do end up with Dylan Rayola. You're going to get you're not going to get any visit weekends um, after. You know, he were to announce because uh, signing day is next Wednesday. The dead period starts on Monday. Um, you know, maybe if you you know have guys that hold off on signing um, and, and wait till February, you might be able to to get something done there. But you know, right now for Nebraska, you know, it, it, you just don't get the benefit of that. And a lot of the guys that you know visited with with Rayola on that big weekend last year. Um, Are committed elsewhere. They're locked in elsewhere, Um, and and it's uh, that that would be a tough flip at this point. So, yeah, I mean, I I, we're we're we're, you know looking around, we're asking around, um, but you know the time frame of things doesn't really uh, help Nebraska in that scenario. So we'll see. I mean, it might even be a situation where you know he's he's a he's a big name if if you know he comes to Nebraska and, and things go well. I mean, maybe that helps you in future classes, but. The other piece of it, too, you know, Nebraska is in a bit of a numbers crunch right now. I mean, you've seen uh, two two guys leave the the recruiting class in the last couple weeks, which were largely numbers issues. Um, so that that's a consideration too. Is, is Nebraska just doesn't have a ton of space uh, in, in their locker room right now to bring a bunch of extra guys in that they weren't planning on going into this week? So that that's also a consideration too.
5: Brunts with the uh, short amount of time. Do you think maybe the Dylan Rayola impact could be seen more in the spring transfer period, with specifically receivers maybe saying like, "Hey, there's a five-star quarterback on campus. This all of a sudden is a much more attractive destination."
4: Could be. Um, you know, it, and the, I'm eager, to, eager to kind of see. You know, this next time around, what that spring period looks like because it's, it's really short. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think with the timing of of when the portal actually opens, I think Nebraska is actually still going to be going through spring ball at that point. Um, so, you know, the, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think that would be one potential benefit is like you know, hey, look, there's this guy at, at this school. I'll, I'll maybe take a closer look at. But um, yeah, with with the way that the transfers are going right now and. You know, I, I think there should probably be a little bit of a correction somewhat in, in terms of how many guys are going into the portal but um, you know that, that, that's out there I guess that you know maybe you'd get that spring bump but um, you know, you if you're Nebraska you'd still need still need some guys to decide that are on the roster right now that uh, they would want to go elsewhere too because uh, they're, they're, they're pretty full right now.
3: It's Michael Bruns with us here on Herd at Sports Radio. And, Michael, whenever you, you look at the Daniel Kalin angle of things, he hasn't been swept under the rug at all. As, uh, it's been made clear to him apparently that Nebraska still has space for him and they will still honor his commitment. But now he's off to go take a look at Michigan State. As you forecast it right now, do you think Daniel Kalin will be signing on the dotted line come next Wednesday or do you think he's off elsewhere?
4: Uh, I mean, I, I would expect him to probably go elsewhere if everything kind of plays out the way it seems like it's going to, um, you know, obviously the, the quick visit to to Michigan state and setting that up. I mean, I, I think that that makes sense to me. I mean, when, when you kind of look at the the arc of this class, um, you know, Daniel Kalin did a lot to, to get guys in the class to kind of do the peer recruiting thing and, um, you know, all of a sudden, um, you know, your, your picture gets shaken up a little bit. I mean, I, I think he's definitely doing his due diligence and looking around. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would be, I would be shocked if, if uh, you know, he, he's a Nebraska Cornhusker uh, next Wednesday. But, um, you know, it's unfortunate that that things have kind of played out for him the way that they have. I mean, you know, he's committed to Missouri, uh, immediately jumps back in with Nebraska when the when the door opens, and. You know, I'm sure his head's probably spent in with the way things have gone uh, this week. But a talented kid, um, you know, just a, an absolute stand-up kid. Um, I'll be eager to kind of see what happens. But I, I would be very surprised if Nebraska ends up taking two quarterbacks in the 24 class, um, just given kind of, kind of the way things are trending right now.
5: Brunce, uh speaking of the 24 class, Nebraska did get a commitment yesterday from Alexander Rougeroli. Am I saying that right? Do you know?
6: Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. Nailed it. Got it. Feel great about it. I feel there, like
3: you need to say it with like the uh, the Italian Danny De, or the Tommy DeVito hands.
5: Ruggiero. I would say if I had uh, if I had Tommy DeVito's agent's hat on, then I'd definitely be able, <laughs> able to say it correctly. Um, but you know, c'est la vie on that one. Uh, so th- I know a lot of people thought when Grant Bricks committed that maybe there wasn't room in the class for Ruggiero. How did? They, are, are you aware of how that kind of took place and how those machinations went so that Ruggiero was able to be included with Grant Bricks?
4: Yeah, well, he's, he's technically going to be a walk-on, uh, coming in as a walk-on. Um, but, you know, they they found room for him and found a way to make it work. So, um, you know, he was a guy that was a, kind of a late bloomer um, as a senior, hadn't played a ton of football, and, and really, you know, was a high-ceiling tackle. And if you look at the way that Nebraska's offensive line class is kind of comprised right now, or composed, comprised, I always forget which one it is, but um, – you look at that group, um, you've got a lot of guys that project to be interior offensive linemen. And the way that Nebraska's depth chart is right now, I mean, they're pretty heavy already on interior guys. Mm-hmm. And Rouge is a guy that, you know, I, I think that they feel like they can come in and develop. They really liked what he showed his, his senior year. And, um, you know, they've been keeping tabs on him for a long time. I mean, I, I know that, that Donovan Rayola has been watching him really closely throughout his senior season. Um, You know, really came in, I believe, for the Purdue game as an unofficial visitor Mm -hmm. Um, and was pretty close to pulling the trigger um, after that visit. And it was just kind of a matter of Nebraska making sure that they had the space and could kind of make things work for them. And uh, it ended up working out. It's a big offensive line class, but, I mean, there's a few guys in that group that, you know, you you feel pretty good about kind of what their long-term picture is. And I know, you know, Grant Bricks is a – some services have him as an interior offensive lineman. Nebraska's only talked tackle with him, uh, so there's some flexibility there. But, uh, you know, I think Nebraska kind of needed to add a, a true tackle to this class that they could start to develop and, and get that that pipeline behind uh, Gatula and those guys that signed last year.
5: Uh, I say this sort of tongue in cheek, but I just assumed with like 15 tight ends in this class that some of those would end up as tackles.
4: Yeah, no, I mean that—that's a possibility. Um, They—they've got, and it's the the tight end group that they have is really kind of uh, an interesting group. I mean, it's different body types, mm-hmm. different type types of tight ends. I mean, you look at a kid like Eric Ingerson at mm-hmm. at uh, at Papio. I mean, he could he could stick at tight end. He could you know grow into a tackle. He could probably play on the defensive side of the ball too. Uh, you know, I I think he just kind of bring in guys who are um, you know good athletes who you know you feel like can, can kind of grow in your program and kind of see where everything shakes out and Nebraska showed with AJ Rollins they're, they're not afraid to to move a guy from tight end to defensive end or, or you know maybe take a different look at a at where a guy fits so um that's an interesting group and it, it's maybe we're not talking about this enough but it just seems like Nebraska is, like, turning into just, like, a an absolute tight end powerhouse. Like, I mean the state itself. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, you know, guys in that 25 class that are already going to be national recruits. Yeah, who's Miami, the kid from Loughlin. Elkhorn
5: North that uh, just got – or has a ton of offers?
4: Yeah, Lofton. Yes, um, that's right. And right. And, and there's other guys that you kind of know are going to be in that same group in, in 25 and 26. Miami is sending an assistant coach to Nebraska in December to recruit tight ends. Like <laughs> – that's, uh, that kind of tells you, I guess, what kind of athletes are in the state. And uh, that's a good problem. I mean, it, you know, when you got goals like that coming up to, to recruit, um, that, that bodes well for Nebraska.
3: Michael, here to quickly discuss a story that's also gone by the wayside, aside from the, the tight ends, to get back to the offensive line, you have Bryce Binhart announcing earlier this week that he'll be returning for another season at Nebraska along with Isaac Gifford. And I understand with the, the storylines this week being quarterback, quarterbacks are sexy, quarterbacks are the ones that are going to get the, the the name appeal. But I want to get your, your take on the impact of Isaac Gifford and Bryce Binhart returning for another year and what that means for the 2024 season.
4: Yeah, it's too bad that that did kind of get swept under the rug. Um, you know, I, I, I think when you kind of look at the way that Nebraska's depth chart is, situated for 24 you probably didn't have somebody at right tackle that you were just absolutely ready to go to if Bryce Benhart decided to move on and I don't know that there's anybody in this in the program that kind of changed the narrative about themselves as much as Bryce Benhart did last year Um, he played really well Uh, I think he really benefited from a change in in strength and conditioning approach Um, and you know when he, he I think he played it was almost 800 snaps last year. Like, he played all 12 games. I mean, that's that's huge to have coming back. Um, and, and then, you know, on the other side of the ball, I, Nebraska didn't have a, a rover waiting in the wings. They've got guys in this, in this incoming class that they feel like can kind of grow into that role. But Isaac Gifford was a leading tackler by over 30 tackles last year. He played really good football. Um, you know, a couple of interceptions here or there that kind of went through his hands, and, and you're probably even talking about that season even more. And he was another guy that, you know, the, these Gifford and Ben Hart combined played over 1,400 snaps last year for Nebraska. And having that leadership back, having uh, that that veteran presence back on both sides of the ball, that's huge. And in the secondary with Gifford, too, I mean, you're losing Quentin Newsome, Omar Brown, who was really good last year, uh, Phelan Sanford, who came in and kind of did a lot of things for you. So uh having that that kind of a veteran back that's, that's really important i think for kind of continuing that upward trend for the defense
3: and uh, one one quick personal story here on Gifford uh his first varsity snap at Lincoln Southeast he was the quarterback and I was the center. actually. He was in garbage time against Bellevue East. <laughs> we fumbled the snap. He absolutely was livid about the situation that his first varsity snap was a fumbled snap. So I, what I know about Gifford is that he did not want his Nebraska career to end the way it did against Iowa with a missed tackle. They get into field goal range. They kick it and, and end the game that way. He did not want his Nebraska career to end that way. I don't know that personally from him, but with what I know about him, I think that is almost a surefire bet that that would stick in his craw. That was his last defensive snap at Nebraska.
4: Was that your fault on the snap or his?
3: Next question. <laughs> I'm not going to blame the kid that went D1 is all I'm going to say, but I don't want to take the blame either. <laughs> I'm going to
5: put that one on Elijah. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, Brunts, I want to switch gears for uh, here a little bit, I'm, uh, away from Nebraska, because I, I feel like we've we've covered that uh, pretty well in depth here, and we'll continue to uh, as things develop. But uh, I, I know we've talked all year kind of about you being a Heisman voter and sort of what that process looks like for you. Are you able to reveal retroactively who you voted for? Is that allowed?
4: Yeah, it was. Uh, the, well, you vote for three in order. It was Daniels, Daniels, Pennix, and Nick.
5: Okay, so I was a big advocate of Penix as the, uh, as the Heisman winner this year. Uh, so the way I kind of view it, I'm curious how you looked at it as an actual voter, was I felt like it would have been hard to tell the story of this year's college football season without Michael Penix. I feel like you could leave out LSU and Jaden Daniels and you wouldn't miss a ton outside of an incredible statistical season. How did you view it that led you to vote for Daniels over Penix? I, I I looked at the outstanding statistical <laughs> season. Uh, <laughs> that,
4: that's kind of where it went. I mean, I, I it was know,
5: just I'm overwhelming. Far. The stats were just overwhelming.
4: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I you know watched a lot of Washington football, probably more than I should have, and you know, he's, Penix is a fantastic player, and there's you know, Washington doesn't do what they did this year without him, um, and you know, I w- with the the head-to-head. Wins over Knicks. That's that's why I went with Penix over Knicks. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Daniel's season was just kind of hard to to hard to get past. And I I try to divorce the team stuff as much as I can um, and just go with the 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 best player. And you know, for me, it was Daniels this year. So it was it was a little bit tougher, I think, than maybe what it's been in the past when I've, when I voted. But um, that that was the way that was the way I shook out this year was. uh was with Daniels, won, Penix, and, uh, and then Knicks. I think the, the hard
3: thing this year was that you always hear it in the, the discourse around the Heisman. There's a Heisman moment for a lot of these yeah. guys. And I can't remember there being a Heisman moment this season. There's the, the one game where Jaden Daniels racked up what was almost 600 total yards of offense or, or some stupid number like that. And, and maybe that's the one, but I, there's not a moment that stands out in my mind this season as being, yep, that's it, that's a Heisman moment.
4: Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I... I don't know. It, it's, it it helps. I mean, it helps to kind of get to the front of people's minds. But I mean, Daniels was just so good um, all year, and you know, he had those game, the, the really really big games too that were kind of eye catching. I agree with you. I mean, it, it, and it's probably a, a, a situation too where it's like, okay, if LSU was a little bit better. It was actually playing for something. Maybe you pay a little bit more attention to that stuff. But yeah, uh, I, I just I felt like he was he, he himself was just a better. Overall player this year than those other two guys, and that's why I went with him.
3: Mike, before we get you out of here, I want to get your thoughts back to Husker football. Do you have any inclination of what the next shoe to drop might be? Obviously, McCord was the story yesterday. There's been a big story every single day. Tuesday <laughs> or Monday, it's Riola. Tuesday, it's well, Kaylin's gonna go visit Michigan State now. Wednesday, it's McCord. Do you have any inclination of what the Thursday storyline might be? What might be what might be be talking about come five o'clock this afternoon?
4: Uh. I mean, the the quarterback is is going to continue to drive the conversation. I mean, um, you know, you're you're getting to the point where you're you know you're going to have visitors on campus uh, starting tomorrow, and then then it's just kind of I don't know if you're like waiting around for the smoke to come out of the, the, the <laughs> chimney or what. but um,
5: A new pope you know, has like,
4: been named. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, I think that's that. I think that's going to be the. Con- I'm I'm pr- very prepared to be surprised. To put it that way. Uh, just based on how the last three days have gone. But uh, I, I think it, it's gonna be quarterback, quarterback, quarterback until uh I'll Wednesday.
5: Well in about ten seconds. Would you like to say anything about quarterback coach at all? Uh it's comment. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> That's Michael Bruns Husker twenty four seven. Brunts, we appreciate your time as always. We will talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. Take care. That's Michael Bruns from USC24-7. Coming up next, we've got a little more Herd At Hot Seat coming up on Herd at Sports Radio. And we will talk to Bryant Appling, head coach of Buford High School, Dylan Rail as high school coach at the end of the hour.
2: You're listening to Herd At Sports Radio.
5: Welcome back to Herd Hat Sports Radio here on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln. I'm Ravi Lula, Elijah Herbal here with me. We are live from the Herd Hat Sports Bar and Grill on the H&H Chevrolet stage. A reminder, driving is a full-time job. Phones, food, and friends need your attention when you are not driving. Your vehicle and the road need your attention when you are driving. Stop the distractions just drive this message from the NDOT highway safety office. Uh, we are resuming the hurt at hot seat here in just a moment, but wanted to make sure I teased our next guest. We've got Bryant Appling coming up. He is the head football coach at Buford high school. That is where Dylan Rayola spent his senior year playing football. Um, he, uh, Bryant, or uh, Buford High School is a powerhouse in the state of Georgia, have produced a ton of of college football and some NFL talent and as is, well. As Thomas points out in the chat. Yeah. Gabe Irvin, Anthony
3: Grant, also two guys that went down to Buford. So I think we're going to have to get into a question about those two, I was like coaching them. But obviously the focus on a week like this <laughs> week is
5: going to be Ryola. Yeah, and, and uh, honestly I'm mostly curious about what type of – or just what his experiences were with Dylan. Obviously he wasn't there for very long. Um, and Coach Appling has been there for a long time. He's been there for 18 years uh, since 2019 as the head coach so I'm um, really curious to to get some of his thoughts on uh on on Dylan Riola and what's been going on uh but before we get to him we do have some time for a little bit more at hot seat uh I believe it is my turn I think you got two questions in I only got the one I got I, we each got one in so it's back to you okay so back to me here we go um all right so Last night, we're, we're texting back a little bit, uh, back and forth, trying to figure out the show and things like that. You tell me you're watching the, the Creighton game on your phone while you're at the gym. So I got to ask, what type of gym guy are you? Are you bodybuilder? Are you like a cardio bunny? Are you lifting heavy? Are you a CrossFit guy? Like, what are the workouts looking like? I think the most apt
3: way to put it, okay would be I'm a functionality kind of guy, Okay, if that makes sense. Just in that I would like my body to be moving <laughs> as well as possible for as long as possible. Okay. So I have to have a good mix. Uh, at the end of the day, what makes me happy in the gym is whenever I throw around a lot of weight. Sure, yeah. So that that is the, the best part to me. But it's been a, an interesting year for me. Uh, in the spring, mm-hmm. it was all about a lot of cardio. I, I got a, uh, a rucksack. So strapped 40 pounds in there. Yep. And I, t- I went on a lot of walks in the spring trying right. to get the, the cardiovascular stuff up just a little bit, get the leg strength up. This fall, it's been more of a bulk because I believe wholeheartedly, I don't have any science to back this up, but I believe wholeheartedly <laughs> that the the human body before the cold months is meant to bulk up for warmth. Sure. Um, Makes sense. So that that's been the fall for me. The fall has been a lot of... Uh, protein and a lot of lifting heavy weights, but uh, for, when I get into the gym, it's it's functionality. So I like the uh, the complex lifts, if you will, the lifts that work multiple muscle groups at the same time. Okay. The, the push press of sorts. Uh, love me some squat. I, I hate squat, but I, I like to do the squats. Sure. I think it's good for me. Sure. Um, but yeah, this this fall's been about throwing around heavy weight. And at the end of the day, I'm not about physique. I'm not about bodybuilding. I'm not about for, for the most part being the biggest guy in there i'd like to just be functional with my body and like my body to take care of me for as long as possible
5: all right so follow up here you like throw on heavy weight what is the lift you are most proud of oh god i love bench press i love well, bench. You press. Gotta press. give me the number so
3: it was back when i was like back in high school right now it's it's nothing too impressive because okay. i was focusing on the cardio in the spring and lord knows i hadn't been in the weight room <laughs> since like covid before this year um but back in high school i hit 285, 290 okay. on bench, which I know you have a, a little bit more of a bench press record. But, that's
5: that's all right. but no, there's there a good is,
3: number, though. 285 for is a good number. For a 17-year-old kid? Yeah, I mean, it's a good number for anybody. It, it was pretty solid, so uh, it, it's not even close to, to up there. Thomas says, how do you feel about front squats? I prefer a front squat to a back squat, but like squat day is not my favorite day. I understand the importance of it.
5: Though. We were talking to uh Callan Hake earlier this week. She was the uh, she represents Team Jack, and she was the Nebraska Women's Basketball Lifter of the Year, so I asked her what her favorite lift was, and she went, that sicko went front squats on me as her favorite lift. I, I prefer like, a front squat to a back squat. Oof, I can't even get my arms in that position. Like, I had to, to hold to rack feel the rack. one finger. To rack the bar. I had to grab the, the I told totally Andrew this, I had to grab the lifting straps and, like, hold them like that because I can't even, get my, can't even get my hands there. But, yeah, man, if you are, like a, like, a front squat or – like an RDL guy, like you're just a sicko. I'm what? sorry. I like, like RDLs. <laughs> you're you're a little bit I of like a RDLs.
3: <laughs> the the one that's insane to me, which apparently they really like up in the the college football ranks nowadays, mm-hmm. is overhead squat.
5: Oh yeah, yeah. Where you hold it above yeah. your head. Oh. Because you get the stabilization and the the small little like micro movements. Yeah, that it's, is death. Yeah, no, no. That is the no, thank least you. favorite. I won't do that with a barbell. I used to do that with some like dumbbells overhead. Mm. I would do some overhead squats, but barbell overhead squats, no thank you. I have been a- on the, the kettlebell wave as of late. Oh, have been big... I
3: like what I can do with the okay. kettlebell.
5: Big kettlebell guy. Kettlebells are good. All right, interesting. There we go. All right. Shout out uh, to my
3: buddies uh, Kip and Kinneman. They're they're my lifting partners of sorts, not every single day, but we 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 keep it together. If they're out there listening, appreciate you guys. Ha-
5: having good. kettle chips are better than kettlebells. <laughs> 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 having good Workout buddies is essential. That is the strongest I've ever gotten is when you've got people that you constantly work out with. So uh, that's always a plus. All right, what is your next question? I got an interesting trivia question for
3: you related to last night's junior college national championship game.
5: Okay, Iowa Western, congrats. National champs, back-to-back, beat uh, East Mississippi, uh, well done to uh, Coach Strohmeyer and company over there. And the question is related to East Mississippi, because last night they fell extremely short. Mm-hmm. Congrats
3: to, uh, to Iowa 61-14, Western. 61-14, I believe, was the final there. Um, they, though, were going for their record sixth straight – or sixth national championship of the JUCO ranks that would tie two other schools that also have six. Ooh, okay. One of these in particular, you might know, Will Honus – former Husker, attended this junior college. Okay. And it's also in a state that borders Nebraska. I was assuming it was Kansas. My question, if if you can get either of the two, I'll give it to you. I think there's one that you have a better chance of getting than the other. Can you name one of the two junior colleges that has six national titles? Is it Butler?
5: It is. Look at you. That's the one I was going to guess even before the hints. Look at Uh, you. Butler Community College has been like a stalwart in – uh, Juco Athletics forever. Uh, their football program is incredible. So that, that was going to be my guess regardless. Uh, is The other one's not Can- in Kansas, is it? It's not. It's in Oklahoma. Oh, uh, that's not Seminole, is it? Mm-mm. Which one is it? I've never
3: heard of this one before today. I'm not sure if these national titles are of old. Northeastern Oklahoma
5: A&M. I think those are old ones. That sounds like a Mad Lib college because I think that's one of those that has been renamed and is now like a D two. I think, but we can look into it. What was yeah. it Northeastern? N- Northeastern Oklahoma A and M, and it feels like an ad lib North. because it's just like the
3: perfect like direction, state. Would you like to add A and M or Tech?
5: <laughs> Northeastern Oklahoma A and M College. Okay, we are looking it up. I I think it still exists. This is this is surprising to me. Um. Yeah, I
3: believe they still exist. I'm looking up when they won their last national title, it is pre
5: 1980. Okay, so maybe we don't count
3: Uh, those. Their last national title was in 1969 whenever they took down Arizona Western by a score of 20-6. to So it's been a while for northeastern Oklahoma A&M, not the powerhouse they used to be.
5: But uh, Butler Community College was a real powerhouse, I believe, back in the 90s. 90s and early 2000s. 2000s. Um, They're still very good, but they're not quite to the same level as uh, they have been in years past. And
3: recently it's been EMCC, Eastern Mississippi has made famous by – uh, Last Buddy chance and you. Last chance you. Love that show. Oh, yeah. love Terrific. Last Chance You.
5: Um, all right, so another one here. We got about a minute and a half. What is your favorite guilty pleasure movie or TV show? Easy, easy. If we're talking real guilty pleasure, yes. Like you are a little embarrassed to say it out loud. Ghost Adventures. Ghost Adventure. Was that on like Discovery?
3: Yeah. It's, yeah.
5: So that those are like legit the ones where they just like go to random places people say are haunted and and look for ghosts with like the Geiger meters uh, I, and stuff. I
3: can fully admit it's stupid. There's another show that was my my, my guilty to? pleasure. Yeah. And it's When I think of guilty pleasure, I think of this show is stupid. I know it's not good, but I still enjoy it.
5: Sure, absolutely. Ghost Adventures is there. It used to be Finding Bigfoot. Finding. So you're like in the you're in the real like quote unquote reality. Like search for the supernatural, like that's your sweet spot. I used to like the Curse of Oak Island too. See, I that the Curse of Oak Island will suck you in a little bit. It will on the History Channel. I, I will say the same about all three. Yeah.
3: All three of those shows will suck you in, even despite the fact you they they're not gonna find anything. This is stupid. They have just played me for yes. a full hour because I go, maybe this is the time. Maybe
5: they are gonna find it. <laughs> Finally. No. And they, they always find just enough to, to like string to like string you along. It's like those stupid TikTok videos <laughs> yeah. that are like 18 parts that should be one two-minute video. So do I gotta get my Bigfoot lady on for you tomorrow? I You have a Bigfoot lady? I do have a Bigfoot lady. I'm a Bigfoot believer of Ooh, sorts. We might have to talk about a Bigfoot. <laughs> (laughs) guest here. There might be too much going on to do it tomorrow, but uh, at some point, I I think we may need to talk to the Bigfoot lady. Coming up next, though, we're going to talk to Bryant Appling. He's the head coach at Buford High School in Georgia. He coached Dylan Rayola last year. We will talk to him next on Herd at Sports Radio.
2: You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio.
5: Wrapping up the show here on Hurt at Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. Elijah Herbal here with me. I eh, we are. I am. We are. I don't know. Uh, we're here on AM five ninety ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln. We are, efforting. Uh, Brian Appling, the head coach at Buford High School, he coached Dylan Rail last year, uh, trying to get a hold of Coach Appling there to join us. Uh, It will be on the uh, stream if we are able to track him down, so uh, waiting on him. In the meantime, uh, there's been, uh, I don't think, any movement yet this morning (laughs) yet usually these bombs have been dropped like mid to late afternoon so I'll give it a few hours <laughs> um, you asked I think you asked Brunts this question what do you think the next shoe to drop is like what do you think happens next personally
3: I think it's probably a Kalen D commitment okay I, I think that makes the most sense before you take a Michigan State weekend visit I think if I'm Daniel Kalen, I want to let the rest of the country know I'm open for business here. Sure. If you will. Yeah. And so you're going to get the, the, the buzz of you going to Michigan State. You're going to get, a, uh, I think, a personally, a decommitment before you go to Michigan State. Uh, and then the rest of the country, you know, there's interest. You can, you can do that. That is personally what I think we're probably going to get today. We were talking a little bit off air early mm-hmm. in the show about what a potential Riola timeline could be. I think it makes no sense for him to wait until signing day. No, I think it'll be this weekend. The the importance of a five star quarterback announcing and potential peer recruiting implications, I think it makes sense for him to do it this weekend while he's in town or potentially directly before he comes to town. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think that's the next shoe to drop. I would guess. And and I don't think he decommits before he makes a commitment. Mm -hmm. I, I think whenever he makes the announcement, it's all in one hey, I'm decommitting from Georgia. I'm committing to Nebraska. Go Big Red. Or. I mean, we're at the point now where if he doesn't come to Nebraska, which I think would be an absolute shocker. Yeah, I'd be stunned at this point. I'd I'd be stunned if he wasn't in Nebraska. But, like, have we reached the point just in terms of of buzz where if he does stay at Georgia, which is a big if, that he'd have to make an announcement about that? Like, that's how much buzz there is about this.
5: Yeah, almost. And and it would be weird uh, at this point if he did stay at Georgia. Um, Obviously, I think the heavy favorite at this point is Nebraska. All the things that we have heard and seen – uh, point to him not going to Georgia. Um, there's reports of kind of a falling out with Georgia. I, I would be beyond shocked at this point if it wasn't Nebraska, and I think I'd be even more shocked if it was still Georgia. Like even like I'd be more shocked at him still going to Georgia than I would be of him not going to Nebraska. But I, I do think it is it is basically um, a foregone conclusion at this point. I, I
3: don't think Matt Rule would. Potentially run off both Daniel Calen and Kyle McCord. Yes. As I said earlier in the show, if he didn't think this was a sure thing or damn near it.
5: Yes, I, I agree there. I, I did want to touch on Daniel Calen here for a minute because I, I'm curious what you think the actual best move for him is because we are pretty late in the process for him as a recruit to enroll in the spring semester and kind of be there for spring ball. Is it crazy to think the best thing for him, even though if even if he doesn't necessarily think hey i'm not necessarily going to be able to beat this guy out, I might not be able to i may not my future may not end up being at Nebraska, but I do care about the program um, and just from a what's best for his future standpoint, is it crazy to think that it might be worth sticking it out for a year year and a half, you still have the free transfer? To go explore other things after that, because right now you're probably going to make a fairly rushed decision with people you probably haven't been talking to. In because when did he commit? When did he? De- well, it was back in it was a while ago that he com- decommitted from Missouri and came to Nebraska. I mean, it's been a long time since he's been talking to other people, mm-hmm. so he's going to be in a situation where he's going to be kind of forced into a real quick decision if he signs on Wednesday with somebody other than Nebraska.
3: nice thing, though, for him is you always do have the portal. I guess the same could be said for for him being in Nebraska. Nebraska. That's kind of what I mean. My thought, and something I said earlier this week on the Hale Varsity show, was, like, the way I'm selling it, if I'm Matt Rule and that coaching staff, and they say they're not into selling, they're telling you how it is, but if I'm telling him how it is, Mm -hmm. there's two possible ways this could go. Yeah. Assuming Ryola is the guy. One – Ryla lives up to the expectations. He's the guy you expect him to be. He's got a Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers type career, in mm-hmm. which case you expect that guy to go off to the NFL after three, if not after four, but that's not a guy who's red a freshman season if no, he lives up to the expectations. Probably
5: after three, you expect him to move on. If yes. he is who you think he is. If he's not who you think he is,
3: then you, Daniel Kalen, have a chance to go in and compete for that job. Yeah, why can't you beat him out? If he's not who everybody thinks he is, why can't you go beat him out? That's, that's the two ways these things go. Either he's a, he's a dude, he's a future NFL guy, mm-hmm. and you with a well-timed redshirt will still have your chance to start somewhere down the road. Which Theoretically uh, I, for two full years. Theoretically for two full years, and I personally believe that's the kind of development Kayla needs, a couple years of sitting to be ready
5: to go. That's he, probably a realistic timeline for him to be a productive Power 5 quarterback anyway mm-hmm. is a couple to three years. Because you'd be talking about, okay, let's, let's play this out. You've got Rayola as freshman, sophomore, junior. That would be Daniel Kalin's redshirt year, redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore year. By the time he's a redshirt junior, he's still got two years of eligibility to play at Nebraska if that's what he wants. And if Dylan's not that guy, he could have an opportunity dramatically before that. Yes. Not to mention, knock on wood, when's the last time a Nebraska quarterback made it through the season healthy? I mean, Uh, there was a... Did t- Tanner Lee it through healthy in 2017? And before that? I think Tommy made it through mostly healthy one year. He, he was banged he started, up. He started all the games, but he did not finish all the games. Yeah, and he was banged up kind of throughout the year, too. So, I mean, if you're at Nebraska, you have to assume you're going – I mean, really anywhere. You have to assume you're going to get an opportunity at some point to show what you have. I, I just – uh, people know I, I am not the biggest Daniel Kalin fan. I thought, for instance, like Anthony Rizak was better in high school this year than Daniel Kalin was. I was advocating for Nebraska to offer Anthony Rizak, obviously, with I don't think they knew this was coming, but with the way things have played out, probably makes sense that they didn't do that. But I do think that there's a better opportunity for Daniel Kalin to develop and figure things out. If he stays here at least for the next three semesters basically than if he makes a rush decision ends up at a place that you know is kind of desperate to land a quarterback but doesn't necessarily want him specifically um that the other factor here though is we are talking about an 18 year old kid 17 18 i don't know exactly how old daniel kalen is is it possible we're dealing with like a bruised ego here and he just doesn't want to be here? I just want to say, if you were
3: keeping track, if you was 17 or 18, I'd have some questions <laughs> and I'd be a little concerned. I have no idea. <laughs> I just assume they're all somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, but like, Oh, well, it's funny. One time I did get flagged by Instagram for DMing a 17 year old <laughs> recruit because it's signing day in Instagram. Like we've flagged your account for suspicious activity uh, messaging I, minors. I was like, no, no, like, it's not that it's a football thing. <laughs> it's I'm not, for work.
5: It's, I'm not being a weirdo. Uh, um, (laughs) Um, No, but, like, is it possible that it's it's just a bruised ego thing? Like, is that on the table that, like, he just, you know, obviously they chose Dylan over him the first time around. He ends up committing to Missouri. Dylan leaves Nebraska at the altar back in May. Daniel Kalin kind of comes home, if you will. This comes back around. He's getting, uh, you know, and it's understandable from the outside, but if you're a kid in the moment – You see this school continually picking Dylan Rayola over you, and I think we look at it and be like, hey, he's a five-star bud. Like, I don't know what to tell you. But if you're Daniel Kalin, like, I could see him being like, hey, like, obviously, like, I'm not as big of a priority for you guys as I want to be. Like, I'm just ready to move on. Mm -hmm. Like, even if it's not the best thing for him, I could kind of see it if that's how he's thinking. I guess time will tell,
3: but the the feel I get right now is he's not gonna be a corn husker. Another guy I don't think is gonna be a corn husker really fast. I know we're we're kinda getting up against yeah. him. This Desmond Demas. Yes. This has been a weird development this morning. He has put it in his Instagram bio, ballcatcher at Husker Football Nation, which is Nebraska's football's Instagram handle. He has put that in his Instagram bio, but from everything I have been told, mm-hmm. not only do I does it sound like he would not be academically eligible. I don't think he culturally is a fit for what Matt Rule wants to get. So this is something I'm going to be following today in terms of what the hell is going on here. Is this a guy that has been duped? Is this a guy that is trying to make a power play and, yes. and get, get himself an offer? You know, work up the fans so much that now the coaching staff feels like they have to offer kid. This is a weird situation because everything I have heard, everything I've been told would tell me that desmond demas is not an option for nebraska as a wide receiver transfer mm-hmm. maybe i'm dead wrong on that but i don't think i am
5: yeah no i mean it makes sense everything that you've told me in terms of not being a culture fit and maybe not being academically eligible as well uh real quick we only have about a minute and a half here um uh, but I, there is one thing and i tease that with michael Brunts. i do think the glenn thomas to nebraska thing is happening yes um, he is the former quarterback coach in OC under Matt Rule at Temple and at Baylor. Um, he took over for play calling for Marcus Satterfield previously. I don't know if that would be the situation here, but I would expect Glenn Thomas, currently an offensive assistant with the Steelers, to be the quarterback coach and either co-OC or passing game coordinator. Um, one of those two ti- like dual titles. I fully expect that to happen. I don't know when, since the Steelers are still in season. I don't know that they have to wait until the Steelers season is over, but I am expecting that to happen. I am as
3: well. That there's been some momentum in that direction in recent days, and there's an, uh, I don't know. There's there's other candidates out there for this job, but that's been the most popular name over the past couple of days. And that's the one that makes the most sense. It's the one that makes the most sense with his rule ties, his history. What concerns me,
2: and
5: analyst
3: for the Steelers, terrible offense. What saying, are you doing? And I'm with <laughs> Matt
5: Canada being fired, yeah, his coordinator on that side of the ball. Uh, makes a ton of sense there. Shane, did you have something? We are trying to get
6: reschedule Coach for tomorrow. Okay,
5: trying to reschedule Brian Appling, the Buford High School coach, for tomorrow. And the morning hookup follows us in Lincoln. It's Greeny in Omaha, correct? Yes, I believe so. Getting my schedules down. That is correct. That is Heard At Sports Radio for a Thursday. Elijah and I will be back tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your day.